Good morning and Merry Christmas to everybody. This will be our last episode for 2022. Hope you guys had a great year and we hope that you have a good year ahead. How are you doing, Arman? I'm doing well and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to you as well. How's Christmas the... is mm-hmm. big in your country. Yeah, so around now, anytime you're stepping outside, you're going to see a bunch of houses with Christmas lights and uh, you'll hear different people singing jingles. Uh, it's a very high atmosphere um, moment in the US. What about in India? Uh, do you guys see Christmas lights there? Not really, not really. It's not as common. There are some isolated Christians in India here and there who might have Christmas lights, but it's definitely not a lot. There, are, There's one state which has a lot of Christians, Goa, so probably there are going to be more lights there. I have not been there, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Christmas is good in the sense that um, it's, a, it's a thing for children here where if you go to the mall, uh, they'll have discounts for kids and, and you'll get chocolates and things like that. So mm-hmm. when I was a kid, there used to be this Christian lady who would live in our building and they would give us chocolates on Christmas. And I always liked Christmas because of that. <laughs> Sounds like um, Halloween. No, she would just call us to her house and then give us a bunch of chocolates. So we always liked her. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know any Christians? I know a bunch of Christians. Okay, In my experience, they have been mm-hmm. good people. They, they, they're actually like uh, pretty moralistic people, at least the ones I know. And I know this for a fact because I've been on a, been I've been to a church twice. And, you know, they have these sermons at churches, right, where this guy gets up, he drinks wine, gives a speech. I don't know what the entire thing is called. Mm-hmm. And the speeches were actually pretty, uh, what do you say, encouraging for, for the people who were listening to them to be like good people. For example, one was like, why you should always cooperate and not be, you know, not treat others. And one was kind of chastising the Christians for, you know, losing their moral ground mm-hmm. and starting to degenerate and why we should rise up to our ideals. So it was something, it was good stuff. You know, even though I'm not Christian, I respect that someone is out there telling these things to people. And that's something that's an admirable thing, right? Yeah. Where I've been to two churches before. The one time was for a funeral, which wasn't the best of circumstances. And the other time was by complete accident. So what happened was I'm supposed to be going to this networking event for business. And I go in there and it's in a church. So I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'm in the right location. And the person who's hosting the event is like, oh, yeah, son, you're in the right location. I was like, okay. Um, So the event starts and they start talking about Jesus uh, and they're going very in depth. But the angle that they took was how Jesus was apparently like a very good businessman. Because I didn't I don't know if you know this, but apparently Jesus was a carpenter and he was a very skilled carpenter at that. So they were talking about what business lessons you can learn from Jesus. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty fun experience. Yeah, that's a nice angle. Wait, yeah. how come you went to a church? Aren't Muslims not allowed to go to anyone else's holy place? Well, it was the first time was a funeral. 
So th that's a different situation. And the second time was completely by accident. Ah, so no thought, 72 virgins for Arman. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a business networking event. And afterwards, they're like, hey, son, uh, you should join a Christian for Business organization. And I was like, uh, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, this was fun, but no, I'm good. Um, <laughs> I won my boys in Sinanda. <laughs> <laughs> do you have churches there? Like, do, do you see a lot of churches? Yeah, there are a few churches here. Um, yeah, it's not rare to see a church there. They're in many places. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the most, uh, The I've had a couple of experiences with Christians, which kind of made me respect them as people. Because uh, if you read our history, right, the British Empire took over India, the Portuguese took over India. At first, I used to think, okay, all of these Christians are like, they're a bunch of fuckers, right? They just took over India. But in my interactions with Christians, they have been very honest. For example, one time I was going with a bunch of my friends and we were using this thing called a rickshaw. I don't know. if you Have you ever heard of it? A rickshaw? Mm -hmm. It's like yeah, a tuk-tuk. I've heard about that before. It's like the bicycle looking thing. Yeah, except that it's run on motors. In Bangladesh, people run it, but in India, like they use fuel. It's like a, it's like a small van, you could say. It's like a tuk-tuk. Mm -hmm. So it's motorized, and uh, the charge to go from one place to the other was eighty rupees. And for some stupid reason, I thought it was eighty rupees per person, and there were three of us. So I, I paid him two hundred and forty rupees. And the guy gave me my money back. He's like, "No, sir." And I'm not even joking. This guy spoke English with me. He's like, mm -hmm. no, sir, the charge is 80 rupees till the destination, not 80 rupees per seat. And he gave me 160 rupees back. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I know he was Christian because he was wearing the Christian thing. And because, of course, he spoke English. And that, and that kind of made me respect Christianity as a religion more. Because the guy just gave, gave me the money back. He told me what the, the, you know, the honest charge is. And he was totally humble about it. That is mm. not normal behavior for these rickshaw people. Right. So that was pretty interesting. So that was one of my first experiences with Christians. And the second one is, I have a Christian friend, a good friend who's Christian. And the guy is really honest and helpful. So anytime I've needed something, he's kind of been there and, you know, given me help. So, yeah. Christian people, in my experience so far, have been good people. So I have nothing bad to say about them. Do you see the missionary still in India? Yeah, the missionary stuff is a bit annoying, right? Apparently, they, uh, Christianity has this thing where they're supposed to convert every single person to Christianity. So they go to these villages and they get their ass beat up by the locals. <laughs> really? Yeah, they get killed also sometimes. Whoa, okay. Um, because... In a lot of college campuses here, like you'll see the hardcore missionaries where they'll get a Bible and they'll like yell at the students, be like, if you don't accept Christ as your savior, you're going to hell. And that's a lot of uh, these students' first encounters with some of the missionaries. Uh, but then a lot of the calm Christian students are like, this guy doesn't represent all the Christians out there. But I mean, from your story with the rickshaw driver, it shows that like one of these meaningful interactions can paint your perception regarding a religion or if it's the opposite let's say the rickshaw driver was screwing you off and he's wearing the cross chain it can also tilt the perception towards the worst so 
not that particularly because that's what you expect from rickshaw drivers right you expect to get screwed <laughs> yeah so not getting screwed is a unique experience <laughs> so, so the rickshaw drivers they are pretty much motorized right now they, they don't have the old school bicycles with the little umbrella looking thing on top i have never seen a rickshaw driver with the umbrella thing and driving it by his legs that is something i've only seen in a documentary on bangladesh Dude, when I go to Bangladesh, like that's what I like. Now I don't want the rickshaw driver driving a motorcycle uh, or w- with a little motor because now it feels like a car. If you're a tourist and you're coming, like you want to see the old school analog method. And these dudes man, are it's rich, man. Inhuman though. It's it's an inhuman method. You got to admit that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It's like a uh, it's like a human donkey. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys, though, like, because that was their predominant way of life. Like, roughly around when was the last time I went? Last time I went was two thousand and nine, uh, and that's when I, I would say I was seeing a mix of both. I was seeing the bicycle-looking ones and the motor ones, and the people who did the bicycle ones, they were ripped. I mean, they were shredded, and they knew how to time themselves in a certain way, where the load. Uh, of the people didn't uh, weigh them down too much. Yeah, but I'm telling you, all of this stuff where this guy is driving a rickshaw by human energy—that mm. just—they've turned this human into a pack animal, mm-hmm. and he's condemned to do this for the rest of his life. And I'm glad that they now have the ability to switch to a motorized version. Yeah, yeah, from the worker's perspective, the motorized version is way better. I'm talking about from a tourist perspective. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about tourists, no? For example, yeah. if you take, sometimes you hear tourists complain about when they go to a place and they say, "This place is modernized. This place doesn't have the authentic feel I was expecting." Mm-hmm. And the authentic feel they were expecting was something like you know a bunch of uneducated people fetching rice from the field. and the kids are uneducated and it's at you know things of that sort there's, a, mm. there's an elephant roaming around and you know not only that we, dude i i would say they want an analog experience rather than a digital one for no, example, but think about it from the locals perspective sorry to cut you off yeah no but problem. think about it from the locals perspective you're not living your life for the happiness of a bunch of tourists are you you I mean, want your you kids to go it, to if you get paid for it that's a that's a big part Yeah, but then now, what the, do you want to do with the money? And now the rickshaw driver, he's not living his life for a tourist because he's going to be doing this activity anyways. But if you're an actual tour guide, you need to, in my opinion, make that experience for the tourist great. So when I went to Cozumel, Mexico, I'm expecting like some sort of authenticity, some sort of tiny little Mexican woman coming to me and be like, "Mr. Rabani, let, let me show you the like the different locations." Instead, she gives me a, a little cassette player with headphones. She's just like, "It's going to be a digital tour. So you're just going to look around, and you're going to dial this code into this little cassette thing, and they'll talk for you." I was just like, "Man, I, so I feel a little cheated." And I wanted the tour guide <laughs> to, you know, be immersing me in the experience, but instead, I'm over here just getting this digital feel. I'm like, I could do this on YouTube. No, you're right. You're right, but that's not what I was getting at. I, mm-hmm. I, I'll be more explicit. Imagine there's a village, but the village has a road, and the people there have cars. And as a tourist, you come there and you're complaining. Okay, so these guys have a road and cars. I was expecting, you know, 
a, a, a walkway and people just walking here and there and the kids, you know, f- catching fish or something, you know, some, some natural activity. And when yeah. you get there, it turns out that the kids are playing with iPads and they all have cars and they have mm-hmm. a road and they they watch TV and live a modern life. Mm-hmm. You as a tourist, you're complaining about it not being authentic, but from the guy who lives there, his perspective, he does not exist for the tourist viewing pleasure, right? He lives right. his own life and he wants his kids to go to a good school. He wants his kids to play with the same iPhone that the tourist wants his kids to play with. Mm-hmm. And he wants a car, he wants a road, he wants his area to be developed. He doesn't want to live in the year 1900. You're right about that. You're right about that, where if someone is just coming and they're just like, nah, man, tear down these buildings and go back to the mud huts. I don't agree with that. <laughs> but I'm talking about like if it's a it's a place that's predominantly there for a tourist experience, make it a tourist experience. Like if you're going to Bahamas, for example, you're going to see a lot of cars. You're going to see a lot of roads and such. But there are certain parts of Bahamas where it's like strictly authentic Jamaican food. I'm not seeing McDonald's and Burger King everywhere. It's like strictly um, just Jamaican food. They have like the people that's coming to you, selling their, you their clothes, uh, like the Jamaican handmade clothes. That's an experience. And that's going to bring more tourists back into like these certain spots in Bahamas. And it's going to help you out. Now, I'm not saying that you should uh, just destroy your entire economy for the pleasure of tourists, but places that are specifically tourist spots, I think need to have that tourist-like experience. What do you mean by Jamaican food? What exactly is Jamaica? Well, I, I misspoke there. I was talking about Bahamas, then I suddenly spoke about Jamaica. I, I, I meant Bahamas. I accidentally used the word Jamaican. But Jamaican oh, okay. food, um, I haven't been to Jamaica. My brother went there recently for a cruise. And Jamaican food is like, you know, jerk chicken, oxtail. Um, their style is a lot like Indian food, but less spicy and more creamy. I see. Mm-hmm. I see what you mean, though. For example, you go to a place and it turns out to just be a commercialized version of what you were expecting. Yeah. Man, That's I a mean, letdown. The biggest thing that I'm trying to get at is I want that analog experience versus the digital experience all the time. Because as soon as I got like the headset from this Mexican woman, I was like, man, I'm literally just over here fast forwarding, playing stuff. It just feels like something I could have just done back in the U.S. In Mexico, like I want this lady to interact with me. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? You need more offbeat locations for that. The what locations? The offbeat locations. If you go to popular tourist places, this is what you get, right? Because mm-hmm. popular places have become heavily commercialized and so many people come there that if they were, were not commercialized, they would not work out. Yeah. For example, if if a place can house 10,000 people and 100,000 people are showing up every year, the locals are going to take the business. They're not, go- they're not going to be like, no, sir, you can't enter. We only take in 10,000. What are they going to say? They're going to say, okay, let's build more hotels. Right. We can't train so many staff, so let's use, let's use more technology. And over time, the place becomes a city. And that's mm. bound to happen at a popular place. So if you want the authentic experience, you need to go to places that fewer people go to. That's where you will get it. The only thing is that a lot of people think they want the authentic experience. 
but they mm-hmm. can't really handle the authentic experience because your authentic experience is just so different from city life i'll give you an example mm-hmm. i trek a lot and i travel a lot and i had i took a few friends of mine to this particular place and this was an authentic authentic experience in the sense that it's not a popular tourist town at all it's a small village in india with there is there are no hotels there so we were just staying at a local's house who i happened to know and this local's house right they they eat local food they kind of poop in the ground it's it's a very very uh, small village and they just mm-hmm. cover it up with mud and my friends are complaining okay so this place doesn't have proper toilets like dude you said you wanted an authentic experience that's why i bought you here yeah actually i will take back certain things like i agree with your premise or it's like a lot of people talk about they want the authentic experience but can you handle the authentic experience or have you ever heard of tennessee i have not i've so actually heard of it but i don't know much about it yeah like uh, have you heard of the smoky mountains no 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 Okay, okay, well, these uh, this is like a very famous spot in Tennessee. Now, if you go to a certain part in Tennessee, let's say Gatlinburg, this is where it's super authentic, and so authentic to a point where you don't get internet connection. <laughs> so, and not only don't you get internet connection, you're over here staying in a cabin, and not only are you staying in a cabin, you're staying in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. So sometimes you're thinking, as a tourist that's visiting this spot. Hmm. what if there's a bear around the area what if there's like someone that breaks in how am i going to call someone how am i going to check out the internet and the last time i went to gatlinburg i mean i enjoyed the experience harsh but i was also scared a lot of times so i do agree with you in that regards where um we don't want it to be so freaking authentic to a point where it can disturb uh, uh harsh is it go do you hear that I don't. I'm using headphones, so I'm not sure where it's coming from. Okay, no, it's all good. So, yeah, no, I, I do get your point in regards to that. Do you overall travel a, a good amount outside of India, or do you pretty much stay in the India region? No comment. No comment. Okay. Um, I will tell you that having internet connection is something most people who live in cities require when they travel, authentic or not. people mm-hmm. who are used to the internet they can't handle not being around internet right it really bothers them this is what i've noticed they get really annoyed by it and mm-hmm. they keep trying to find internet it could get scary man i mean like back to the gatlinburg example in uh, with a lot of these cabins they're on like a top of a hill so for you to get to that hill you have to pretty much drive like this you're driving very upward and if you just take your foot up the accelerator a little bit it feels like you're going to plummet to your death and i don't know about you but i'm used to driving on very flat roads so <laughs> so i'm over what's here, the incline like, what's the incline bro in the incline i don't know the degrees but it looks like this and that's I, crazy i called the airbnb dude and i'm like hey man um <laughs> do, do, I, do, do i drive up this he's like oh yeah how else are you going to get to the cabin <laughs> 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 Come on, Armani, to office. <laughs> I'm like, dude. I'm like, dude. It's so freaking steep, and he's like, come on, man. Let's like, just do it. I'm like, bro. In Florida, we have flat roads. I don't know what the hell you guys have in Tennessee, but um, can you please come here and drive my car up there for me? Um, I'll pay you extra. And he's like, he's now giving me this motivational talk. He's like, 
no man you could do it come on you've done it before uh, with your cars and you could do it again i was like oh, all right I'll, I'll do it <laughs> i was like i have i don't know what the hell you're talking about but uh, i haven't done it before so i'm over here driving up this like steep road to get to this cabin and every single second that i just take my foot off the accelerator a little bit the car is like plummeting down my heart's beating so fast so i just like through adrenaline i smash the accelerator button and i get to the top now once i get to the top i'm like yes man i feel good then i'm like oh wait i gotta eventually get down again <laughs> <laughs> and it's scarier to go down than to go up because when you're going down you're like what if my car loses control and i literally just crash you know and all this stuff is happening and i'm like man i gotta google this stuff and there's no freaking internet connection <laughs> so i'm like bro this is a scary trip this isn't fun so it, it does your car have downhill assist the what does your car have downhill assist probably it's a button you can press i couldn't even google will... that bro <laughs> no it's a button you will know it it's, it's one, it'll be on your dashboard you press that button and your car will go down slowly at a controlled pace and you just have to handle the steering no 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 i, I i've never seen that button before ah uh, okay yeah, so that would have helped you yeah the point is though man like i'm like i'm pretty much on this cabin now like in the top of the hill it's super dark and i'm just like man i'm i'm loki scared and i didn't sleep that night at all like um my body was feeling very warm and then uh, like the next day going down wasn't surprisingly that bad it, it's a very smooth experience but it just like not knowing that state of uncertainty uh it can happen whenever you're traveling true i don't think it's too big of a deal though because even if it's a steep incline your car is so heavy it's not likely to fall off yeah like looking back at it with logic it's one thing it's like yeah, yeah i mean i was overthinking <laughs> it but when you're actually going through it dude it's a completely different experience i'm talking very very steep and as i was reading the airbnb reviews i was shocked that this airbnb was so cheap it was by a lot of the cool parks in tennessee gatlinburg pigeon forge something like that i was like wow i can't believe we're getting such a great deal but consistently the reviews different people kept saying hey watch out to get to the cabin it's so steep like uh, like i don't know if the cabin is even worth it <laughs> i'm reading this reviews i'm like what a what a coward man like these guys these guys can't even try and then i get that losers <laughs> like real talk bro i thought that was a wall i didn't know that was a road like it was so freaking steep i was like and the guy is like literally saying like no man trust me trust me I'm like, bro, I don't even know who the hell you are. Who do you mean trust you? <laughs> That is funny as hell. <laughs> I hope you had a good car like a Fortune or something to help you. <laughs> It was a, a Honda Civic. Oh man. Oh man, a sedan. <laughs> so this was um this was around the time that uh Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were running against each other. And the part in Tennessee that I was in was like super mega like uh like Donald Trump posters like locker up t-shirts everywhere and here's this brown guy and I was like how are they going to react to me are they going to be nice to me are they going to be racist towards me what gives 
and they were some of the nicest people uh, I've met. Why did you think they would be racist to you? Because have you ever heard of rednecks? I have heard the term. I've seen the memes. I haven't met rednecks. So I've I've haven't seen too many rednecks in my life, but I've seen a lot of these viral clips of these people wearing like uh, these caps that I don't even know the word for it, like those army looking caps. The cowboy you know, hats. But, yeah, cowboy hats and stuff too. And I've seen a lot of them just going in on people of color. So when I went there, I was like, man, it's like literally 99% white people. And then boom, <laughs> a brown guy. I didn't know if they were going to treat me uh, any different, uh, but, but they were very hospitable. I mean, it was a fun experience. It's a very small area in Tennessee, especially Gatlinburg, where most people know each other. So when they saw me, they were like, oh, whoa, this guy's a tourist. Let's make sure he has a great experience. Huh, that is awesome. So, you know, the stereotype is false. The stereotype is really false because the way that the media works, especially in the U.S., is if you're in a certain political party, they're going to paint you in the darkest way. And unless you have firsthand experience with this group of people, you're automatically going to come in with that preconceived notion of, oh, whoa, like this is not looking good. And by 2015 to 2016, anytime someone was wearing a MAGA cap, if you looked at the mainstream media, you're seeing like these people with the MAGA cap punching people, uh, spitting at people, yelling at people, but you're mainly seeing it on the media. So once you go to a location where you see these people firsthand, automatically you're like mm, man how are these people gonna treat me and when they're ah. nice you're like oh okay uh, so the mainstream media was depicting you guys in a certain way and it wasn't accurate interesting mm -hmm. i 100 percent know what you mean i remember those times the 2015 16 times where it was all clinton no trump and the media really really hated trump for some mm -hmm. reason I never understood why, because I'm first, I'm not American and I don't particularly care about politics. But it always seemed to me as if the Clinton people owned all of these media people, or maybe all the media people really liked Clinton or were going to get something if she won. I'm not sure what the reality was, but it kind of seemed like they were always on the same side. So, for example, if Trump said something even slightly wrong, the media would be on it all the time. But if Clinton did something egregiously long, wrong, it would just be ignored. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like if, if Trump kind of slightly pushed you, it would be like Trump assaulted Arman. But if Hillary Clinton came and cut your neck off, it would be like nothing. You know, it didn't happen. Conspiracy mm -hmm. theory. <laughs> <laughs> What's your theory as to why that happened? My theory is that all of these new media companies are owned by some extremely wealthy people and my theory is that those guys support clinton for whatever reason it could be that you know the left party pays money to these guys when they win or there's some underhanded deal or something going on they're getting something out of this it could be that you know let's say that i'm a billionaire i have three different businesses one is this media thing and i have two others that say manufacture weapons for the army and if Clinton thing wins, we have a deal going on. Say, okay, I'm going to use the media arm to boost your political career. 
And in exchange, when you win, you give me a bunch of government deals. So it pays mm. off for me. You know, government deals for my other companies. So that could be happening. That is my, that's the one I think is most plausible. And the least likely is that these billionaires just support this one party over the other party. Right. It's basically who can be more controlled. At the top, it's really just about what can I get out of this deal. And the whole, the media companies are essentially loss-making entities. And the loss that you make is the price you pay to get lots of influence, to be able to control politicians and to force them to pass the laws you want. Mm -hmm. For example, if you are a politician, you need the support of the media to win in the modern day. And to get the support of the media, you need to make a cut a deal with the guy who runs the media company. And to do that, you have to promise him and then actually make laws that favor that person. And that's kind of, it's like a tit for tat deal, right? The politician mm -hmm. cooperates with this guy once he wins and the, the media then cooperates with this party to make sure that they win. Because at the end of the day, the media is not expected in today's times to make money. They dig, they are just expected to serve as a arm of influence for some rich billionaire who he trades off for benefit in his other businesses. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of Elon Musk because that's something people can relate to. And this is a hypothetical situation. Elon Musk owns Twitter and Elon Musk owns SpaceX. Let's say that next year, Elon Musk wants to make sure... Elon Musk wants that the government of California buys 100,000 Teslas to use as their taxis or garbage collection vehicles or whatever, you know, some government use. Mm -hmm. And Elon Musk then says, okay, so I'm going to let, I'm going to use Twitter and I'm going to suppress information that is against you guys. I'm going to boost information positive to you guys. So you guys are more likely to win the election. And in exchange, when you win, you buy 100,000 Teslas. Or you give me some contract or you give SpaceX, say, some weapons contract and, you know, give me $3 billion, $5 billion. And in exchange, you get to win the election. I'll, I'll use Twitter to influence the election in some other, the other way. So there could right. be deals like this happening. That, I think, is the most plausible thing. Of course, not Elon Musk, as we've seen. He seems honest. But most of these other corporations like the New York Times, CNN, Huffington Post. This is my guess as to what is going on. That's a very accurate one because, I mean, a while back we were talking about the Koch brothers and one of the brothers, Charles Koch, uh, he is very strategic in that regard where if Charles Koch is backing you as a politician, that means your career is pretty much made as a politician. Now, you as a politician, your goal is to build relationships with the media. Uh, because Charles Koch, the billionaire backer, he's over here in wherever he lives in the middle of nowhere. He's not going to be playing the games of uh, the Washington, D.C. So the billionaire funds the politician, then the politician and the media are meant to cultivate a synergistic-like relationship. So the politician can give a lot of the media members the scoop, uh, like the, the latest story. So the more that the media has the latest story, the more that they have content for their business in order to drive ratings. And that allows them to just feed off of one another. The billionaire 
funds the politician, the politician then works with the media, and that's how the cycle goes. It was hilarious because Charles Koch viewed a lot of the, like he viewed a lot of the politicians as sad souls. He actually viewed them as <laughs> like a, a lot of his other billionaire buddies. Yeah, oh my god, like look, that's the rising star in the Republican Party. But Charles Koch never wanted to take pictures with them. He's just like, man, I feel so bad for these people. They have no morals, they have no integrity. They will literally do whatever I tell them to do. And and that's how like you can literally buy influence. I need to read this book about Charles Koch. What was the book you said? So one book is called Cokeland, and the other book is called Sons of Wichita. I don't know why. Yeah, I've been very interested in this sort of stuff as of late. Like, how does the the DC politics, all of that stuff work? And ironically, one of the great ways to learn about this is to read the the books of the anchors of these media shows. So I talked about reading Megyn Kelly's book before. I don't know if I mentioned Mm -hmm. her. I talked about reading Kellyanne Conway's book. But Megyn Kelly, like she talks about what it's like to rise up the ranks uh, in a um, mainstream media channel like Fox News and all the behind the scenes games that you have to play, how a lot of the times you're about to run a story, but the politician and the journalist have know each other on a first hand, first name basis. So the journalist will just kill the news because she knows the politician's son daughter family it's like i can't run this news even though it's true because i have a personal relationship with them where if you're an outsider harsh you're thinking oh no no it's all logic they they have certain protocols and they follow it but when you read these books you're like "Mm -mm." a lot of the times the protocols get broken for self-interest yeah i I agree with with you on that in fact that's the most common thing right Mm-hmm. I will say one thing. I think that this is to be expected because, I mean, what are you going to do as a politician? Either you play the game or you lose. Let's say that you're an honest politician. You don't want to do these deals with these billionaires and you say no. What's going to happen? You're going to fight against a guy who's going to do that deal with the billionaire. He's going to have all the media supporting him. And guess what? You're going to lose. Because the media is going to run bad stories about you and good stories about the other guy. Mm -hmm. And you have no hope of winning because the average voter is an idiot. Yeah. There was this hilarious freaking story because um, it it showed how powerful Charles Koch was. So Charles Koch runs a lot of these energy companies, right? And there was this politician that was trying to pass some sort of law on regulating some energy resource. And whenever a a lot of politicians are trying to get a law passed, uh, there's not that many people that come and watch because it's a very dry process, right? So the guy that was trying to regulate one of Coke's businesses, one day he opens his door and he sees a bunch of people just like yelling at him. They're like, how could you regulate this particular energy source? Like, this is uh, this is unethical. You're like a piece of shit. And they're just so passionately yelling at this politician. And this politician is like, wait a minute. For the longest time, I've been trying to pass this law, and there have been no interest at all in regards to this. But suddenly, all these people are finding my address, and they're yelling at me. And that's when he was trying to put two and two together. These people that were protesting, they were paid. 
Koch and his people paid uh, these protesters in order to harass the politician for him to change his mind. So that's another thing that happens in politics, where if you truly disagree with someone, you're not going to call them out. Instead, you're going to hire people that seem like protesters, but they're hired protesters. Yeah, in fact, I've, I've, I know for a fact that there are people who are activists, mm-hmm. but their job is to be paid protesters in the sense that you can hire them to protest against anything. Mm-hmm. And they make us think about something, make a lot of noise. And that's essentially what they do. They don't give a shit about <laughs> anything in particular. And this is They're good just... for the media too, because the media is like, oh my God, now, now we have more content uh, to run a breaking news on. So it's this little vicious cycle. And you'll be surprised how little people, uh, like it, it's a close circle of people that's playing it, but it's affecting the masses in the US. And whatever the US is doing eventually influences the consciousness of the global world. It's a few groups of people that's playing a role. True. Man, what's politics like in India? Like, is it like this scandalous? It's like Western politics, but less veiled in the sense that it's more out in the open. Everybody can see it's a scam. They know it's a scam. And the politicians will, they don't hide their scams as much. But in India, politics is a little different from how it is in the West, because India is a heterogeneous society where there's a lot of communities, there's a lot of different people who have different identities, you know, ethnic, cultural identities. Mm-hmm. And the politicians will try to play them off against each other. So you'll have politicians that are going to be like, okay, I'm from your caste or your jati, whatever, and please vote for me. Because the other politician will not take care of you. He's going to take care of his own people. So India has a lot of that going on. Right. Secondly, Indian politics, India is not as, what do you say? I don't want to use the word civilized here, but what's the right word for it? The Um, law and order in India is not as good as it is in the West. mm -hmm. So if you are a politician, you can do basically whatever you want. And as long as you are in power, nothing is going to happen to you. Mm. So you could essentially, you could literally set a journalist on fire and have everybody watch and laugh at him and nothing is going to happen to you as really? long as you're in power. Yes, as long as you're in power. Are there certain and issues that are very polarized in India? More or less, they have to do with religion, the conflicts between Hindus and Muslims. Hmm. And they have to do with illegal people from foreign countries coming and settling in India. That's becoming an issue. And I would say those are the two big issues in India right now. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are, they come and go. Like we have Democrats and Republicans as like the two biggest groups. Do you guys have something similar in India? We have a Congress party and we have uh, the BJP, which is the right-wing party. So the Congress is the left-wing party and the BJP is a right-wing party. Mm-hmm. And the BJP is more towards, uh, you know, nationalism and why we should build ourselves as a nation. And they're, they're more pro-Hindu. And the Congress party is more about secularism and, you know, appeasement of minorities to get votes. And there was a lot of corruption in this party. So the Congress party was historically known to be extremely, extremely corrupt. 
and that's kind of why the bjp rose to power because people just didn't have an alternative mm-hmm. so from 2000 until 2012 okay from say 2001 to 2012 every single day you would turn on the tv and find okay some new scammers happened some politicians got sold 10 billion dollars and that would keep on running in the media so every 3 days there was a new scam coming and people just got so annoyed by it that I, they just decided to just switch parties and the only viable option was bjp so that's mm-hmm. kind of how bjp got to power and bjp so far seems to be doing really well i i know modi is an honest guy because i know people who know him and the guy is the guy is honest you know despite whatever people might say the guy is not a dishonest person modi is the prime minister modi is president? the current prime minister the current oh, prime minister right. of india I mean everybody the has, who has the most power. Yes, prime minister is like the equivalent of your president. Mm, okay. So this guy is honest and despite what people say and you know of course he has to do his own election stuff to win everybody has to do that. But this is not a guy who wants bad things for India, right? This is not a guy who will sell out his country for his own benefit. At least in, not in my opinion and my opinion is based on personal interactions my friends and family and just people i know have had with him back when he was the chief minister of gujarat and also now when he's prime minister for example uh one of my friends he he set up a bunch of industries in gujarat and he invested about 50000 crores into it which is about uh, back in that times money is about 9 billion dollars so he apparently met modi because modi was a chief minister back then and modi's advice to him was okay so you are investing 50000 crore in gujarat right how about you invest 51000 in gujarat and i'll tell you how you can win the support of the local people what you do is you go to these villages you build some roads there you set up hospitals you give people employment so don't go to other states and hire people from there you are in gujarat so just hire the locals So give the locals employment, give them cheaper hospitals, give them free schooling for their children, and you will never have a problem with people. You will never have people come and strike against you. You will never have people burn your factories down. People will love you. That's because at the end of the day, if you are a common citizen, what do you want? You want a good life. You want a source of income. You want a wife. You want a husband. You want your children to go to a good school. You want clean air, clean water, simple things in life. Right. So he said okay so you're already investing 50000 crores it's like 8 9 billion dollars what's an extra 1000 crores going to do to you it says 2% right just increase your project costs by 2% and you will have people's love and support and that's what my friend did my friend i mean he doesn't have 8 billion of his own money he was um, a big decision maker for a company who used to work at so this guy that's what he did and yeah his industry is doing really really well right now and uh, i have had other people who have known modi as a person before he got to be the prime minister and now that he is as well and the, this guy is like an extremely honest person i've heard that from multiple people and i trust these people so i'm i'm likely to believe him believe them is, is he generally well liked by india or is it is he a polarized figure he is generally well liked he is generally so well liked that when he won it was a landslide victory Mm-hmm. and uh, but i will say that he kind of won because there was no other alternative 
the the other party congress was just so hated back then and it's kind of still so hated right now where a lot of average indians has associated the party with the word corruption because it just every single day you turn on the tv this congress corruption something happened some scandal some scam some ghotala if you heard that word Mm-mm. and it means scam okay. and people just got so frustrated by it that modi got into power and after modi has gotten into power scams have not been on the news i don't know if they have they've stopped happening or maybe the media stopped covering them it could be either but uh, yeah people associate him with wanting what is best for the country even though sometimes he has made bad moves right people will generally say that demonetization what he did was not a wise move for the economy or it didn't turn out to be wise but i think everybody would agree that his heart was in the right place now is there a certain like maximal maximum amount of terms that modi can serve or is it just as long as he keeps winning i think it's as long as he keeps winning i'm not sure to be honest i, I don't know i'm not well versed on the constitution i've forgotten most of it what i learned okay um, because in the us you could serve two two uh tra- terms each one being 4 years max and then you're done I think there is no maximum term. I think you can just stay in power as long as you want. Mm, okay. I think that's what happened with Putin. No, Putin did something different. He changed the law to to in such a way that there will be no elections. Mm-hmm. So it it would be like someone going and saying, "Okay, so instead of being in power for 5 years, once I'm elected, I'm I'm in power for like forever and I'm already elected, so now I'm in power forever." It's a little different. So so uh, is Putin just permanently going to rule Russia like is, is there any way that he can not rule in the next 10 years I don't know I don't know I don't know much about Russian uh, the constitution of Russia mm-hmm. if I ha- I'm just like speculating here but I think that he will rule it for the rest of his life and uh, it would be very unsafe for him to not rule Russia because when you rule a country you make so many enemies that if you suddenly lose control of a country like russia you will not live very long mm. that makes sense see that's why with geopolitics it's very difficult to just get in it because each of these different countries and continents they have their own world views as well so if you're just trying to superimpose your american viewpoints onto that it's not always going to be successful um but remember earlier in this episode i was telling you how uh when i went to tennessee like i had a lot of these preconceived notions in regards to certain people it's very similar with russia too or like 98 to 99% of the coverage in the us in regards to russia is always tilting negative so whenever i meet a russian i'm like what are you guys really like tell me about your life because <laughs> i don't know how much the media is portraying the truth and how much of it is sensationalized see the average russian is likely to be like the average person in any other country right he wants a job he wants his kids to go to school he wants his wife to be loyal or you know she wants her husband to be loyal and he wants a peaceful community low crime etc it's just that politicians and a country are two entirely different things mm-hmm. where the political will of a country is often completely at odds with what the population wants so 
I think the average Russian has nothing to do with the war that's going on in Ukraine. I'm not even sure whether the war in Ukraine is unjustifiable because I can see many reasons why a country might go to war for what was happening. Because the NATO was essentially just circling Russia and at some point Russia has to do something. Yeah. Because, I mean, think of it like this. If the Russian media just starts, you know, spitting on the US and the Russians start believing them, it's the same thing, right? Uh, as 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 an American, you might say, the Russian media is lying to their people. Well, what do you think your home media is doing to you? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm perfectly aware that from people from overseas, like my cousins, they'll tell me like how they view the Americans. They view Americans as very cartoony like figures. <laughs> and it's like, because a lot of them, they haven't come to the US. And likewise, a lot of the US people didn't go overseas. So we're pretty much relying on what we see in the media. And obviously the media, they're going to get the most extreme versions of a certain thing, play it up even more, then present that. So whenever someone's like, oh, you're you're one of those Americans, you must be very arrogant. You must stick your nose above everyone else. I'm like- We fat and obese, right? <laughs> I'm like, not really, bro. I mean, we're just trying to mind our own business. It's like what you said. It's like the average person, they just want uh, a healthy life, a uh, happy family. Uh, you know, they, they want to be drama free. But if you understand the monetization models of the media, that's not what sells. What sells is the, the polarization of it all. Yeah, man, the media is the least trustworthy thing out there in the world that for some stupid reason, people trust a lot. And Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that the trust levels in the media have been declining. And I really, even in India, everywhere, even in India, Mm -hmm. in India, India is behind the curve on this. I mean, the trust levels are declining, but people still trust the media. As opposed to say the West, right? Like if you look at CNN, people just look at it as a joke now. No one looks at CNN and says, okay, that's news. People just look at it as like... That's a credible resource. (laughs) So imagine if you're having a debate and you cite CNN. (laughs) That's what statistics say. Brian Stoker said. (laughs) The CCP said. (laughs) So I heard CNN got a new CEO and they're over here firing a lot of the hosts from back in the days to build its credibility. And apparently CNN is tilting a little bit more conservative than it did in the prior years it doesn't matter it's too late and the current generation they don't watch tv Mm -hmm. like they don't give a shit about cnn like who goes to let's say the internet and says what does cnn have to say today you don't do that (laughs) what does don lemon have to say yeah no one cares like it's it's just the older generation that was watching it Mm -hmm. and these guys are essentially going to die out let me ask you Mm -hmm. yeah go ahead well, it just shows how important content is because one of my closest friends from undergrad, freshman year, this dude, like on his phone, has like the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, like all these major letterheads. And he's like, I get real news. And he pays subscriptions for it, which means oh, that man. What yeah, like, he like really goes in on the content. He's like, hey, Armand, if you ever want my login information, I'll hook you up. I'm like, no, man, thank you. <laughs> dude, I, I do not want that, man. And it's like, I've seen his, what's the opposite word of evolution? Devolution. Devolution. I've seen his devolution throughout the years where he used to be this 
charming individual. Nowadays, he's fat, pudgy, so opinionated about stuff that doesn't matter to him at all. And he's always just agitated about different things. And I'm like, man, this content really messed, messed you up. Yeah, man. I think that if you consume too much of mainstream news, you just become crazy. Yeah. Because you no longer base your ideas on reality. You base it on a fake world created by these news people. Mm -hmm. With your, because you live with your parents, do your parents play that stuff a lot? Because I know you're not really, mm -hmm. not, not particularly. Every once in a while they do when some big thing is happening. But otherwise, not much. But uh, the point I'm, I want to emphasize, and I really want people to take away, and I think what you mentioned is only in the news was COVID killing people. But if you went out in the real world, you were just fine. So you could tell who was watching too much news by how many masks they had on. Mm. There were people with like three masks. Like this guy watches a lot of news. <laughs> no mask. Yeah, this guy goes out of his house. <laughs> Some people wore masks in the car when they were driving. Do you see that? Oh, yeah, I saw that. In fact, there was a huge controversy in India because the Indian government in certain parts of India, they made it mandatory to wear a mask in your car, even if you were alone. And they were finding people on that basis, which was really bad and annoying. Mm. I hated every second I wore a mask. Just didn't feel... It just makes it hard for you to breathe and makes you feel like a goddamn slave. Dude, that was one of the most polarizing moments that I've seen in recent times. Where there was this one day, Harsh, when I go to this um, reunion from a, a lot of the people from undergrad who are meeting up as adults now. There's dentists, there's engineers, entrepreneurs and such. And there's this one guy, let's just call him Alex. The other guy, let's call him Nick. Alex and Nick are having a friendly conversation. They're talking for a long time in this interaction. And out of nowhere, Nick is yelling. Not just like, you know, raising his voice in a passionate way. He's literally yelling at Alex. And he's like, what do you mean you're not getting the vaccinated? I have kids. And I've been speaking to you this entire time. And he's Fuck your yelling. kids. Dude, he's yelling at Alex and the different people in the restaurant are just like looking our way. And Nick just storms away. He's like, I actually believe in science. And then he's just doing his own thing. And he later on announces, don't even get near me unless you have the balls to get vaccinated. And Wait, you, how does that make sense? If you're vaccinated, why are you worried about getting the vaccine, you know, getting the COVID? I don't know what that was, what was happening, but he was yelling, dude. And this is a pretty prestigious doctor in the Tampa Bay region. And he was just freaking out. And he was freaking out on someone that he was having a conversation with for at least one hour at that point. <laughs> just think about that. And I was like, man, oh, man. like certain topics can really freak people out. No, I think some people are just retards. <laughs> Was it like that in India? Like, or like, let's say you said you weren't vaccinated. Did your friends yell at you? No, man, I'm still not vaccinated. People don't care as much. They will sometimes try to encourage you to get vaccinated because they kind of believe the vaccine thing works. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, I have never been yelled at. Some people will look at you funny. 
like what are you uneducated or something why don't you vaccinated and i just look at them and i'm I, i've had people say that okay so what's wrong with you why haven't you been vaccinated and i've just told them like i, I just told them on their face that i'm just superior to everyone else i can't get covid <laughs> and you know nothing comes of it they just take it as a joke i mean what i said and that's it i mean there were subtle relationships is being burned where a lot of individuals were uninvited from weddings because they didn't get the vaccine and they were initially let's say a pretty important person in the wedding they were one of the groomsmen and the groom was like wait a minute you're not going to get vaccinated then you can't come to my wedding and boom they were uninvited from the wedding and i'm pretty sure the relationship after that wasn't the same and there's a lot of drama that happened from from that decision see i think that a lot of these people who were being so militant about the vaccine they are npcs and i'll i'll tell you what okay i remember reading this tweet this tweet is by this guy called unmodern man have you heard of him mhm and he's like the people who got vaccinated they're the sheep the people who didn't get vaccinated they're the wolves and the people who didn't get vaccinated but found a subtle way to you know get the certificate those are the snakes mm interesting because the sheep you know they just got the vaccine you know the government said get it they didn't they didn't think about it they said okay it's free i'm going to get it the wolf was like okay i'm not falling for this bullshit i have my own ideas thoughts whatever and the snake is like okay i want the advantages of this but i don't want this advantages i don't want to burn my relationships so i'll just find a way to get the certificate and i won't get the vaccine so there's three types of people according to him and i'm inclined to agree my only thing is like you know i get that idea but there's also another group of people that are just like man i got other shit in my life i'm focusing on that like i don't really have the time to educate myself on all of this stuff like what's the general heuristics and i'm just talking about a common man at this point the ones that did get the vaccine they're like talking to a few people and they're just like oh okay like for them it's not that much of like the government is telling me to do it is like is this something that i'm supposed to do like i'm actually really uninformed on the matter so i wonder how many people did it from just because they didn't have the time to research anything else well that kind of makes you sheep doesn't it if mm. you're putting something inside your blood why would you not at least look at some data and where the data doesn't exist i mean if if this was a polio vaccine i can look at the data and say okay this thing seems to work Right. But this is something new and researched and it's new technology never been done before and it was pretty well known that the pharma companies will are not going to be held liable for anything because that's what they have signed an agreement with the government for. That if something goes wrong the government has to reimburse people we don't have to reimburse anything. Mm. So you're getting something experimental from someone who has no skin in the game whatsoever. So right. and you still get it that doesn't require research it just means you're an idiot hmm. yeah man i mean the main thing that i just noticed is that that became a very political situation a lot of things nowadays man it's like you have to like you don't necessarily know what makes someone tick you know like you'll just be saying something and then i don't know where like this person flips out on you and you're like wait what what just happened because with the alex nick situation Alex was just confused. He's like, "What the hell just happened?" 
I could understand if you are upset, but for you to yell like this, get everyone in, in the restaurant looking at us, that's weird. And more and more people have things like that nowadays where they have those passionate topics. I would not say they are passionate topics. I would just say that wokeism is a religion and there are topics which they consider to be the, the equivalent of the prophet in their religion and by not following along you're insulting their prophet of the vaccine the prophet of you know lgbt whatever and by insulting the prophet it kind of means that you now have to be punished by whatever means that is available to them it could be humiliation could be getting you fired from your job could be getting your social media accounts banned whatever whatever so you can't look at it you can't look at them as rational people anymore these are religious fanatics wokeism mm-hmm. is a religion and when you start looking at them as religious fanatics their actions make much more sense mm-hmm. it does not make sense to scream at someone because they didn't get an injection but it does make sense to scream at someone when they have insulted your deeply held religious beliefs and that's what you find in the real world everywhere right do you have any beliefs like that that you hold very dear to you i do but uh, you could you could not get me to scream at you mm. i just i don't impose my beliefs on people and my life is just so amazing that i just don't care if you don't like me or disagree with me like what are you going to do for example if you take a guy okay let's say that this guy is i i just don't like this guy like so why would i scream at him i just go back to my house my house is extremely big <laughs> it has everything i need i have rich friends i know everybody i know all the politicians now and I, what are you going why am i supposed to scream at this guy i don't give a shit i just ignore him i move on to someone else Right, right. I talk to people I like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to scream at him. Right. Like so I I'm not frustrated with my life. I think people who get mad at everything are frustrated with their life. Okay, well, l- let me rephrase that. Okay, so it's not enough for you to get angry at someone else and yell at them. I think a lot of civilized people would agree with that. But is there mm-hmm. anything that just really gets you angry internally? when i waste time for example let's say i'm stuck in traffic and i've been stuck for 2 hours that really really gets me like it doesn't get me angry like i'm going i'm not going to scream at the people around but i just feel like i wasted 2 hours of my life mm-hmm. or any kind of wasted time where i could be doing something more productive that bothers me a bit in fact it bothers me a lot so i can't sit and chill right i i, I was just on vacation and it it was just for 4 5 days and uh, i was a lot of the time i was just sitting around and i just could not sit around it just wasn't something i'm used to doing mm-hmm. and it just kept bothering me i could just i could be doing something else i could be doing something else right. i don't think i enjoy the vacation much because i just thought <laughs> i could do something else i could be working right now so i start yeah, another business no not another business but yeah i could be doing something right now and i'm i'm just here sitting like an sitting like an idiot looking at a lake and the sun this isn't a trek right i'm not like climbing something i'm just sitting around like this is a you're tour right. i'm in a you're car 
You're relaxing, bro. You work so hard. You might as well chill sometimes. Yeah, but I'm so used to working that for me, sitting and looking at the sun and the lake, it just really bothersome. Okay, so I looked at it for like 10, 20 minutes now. Mm-hmm. Now my break is done. Now I should go home or you know go and do something worthwhile instead of just lazing around like a bum. So I need to figure out how to chill. I just can't do it. I, I literally can't chill for more than 5, 10, 20 minutes. It just starts to bother me. Mm. So that is something that's really, really bothersome and probably something that's going to... It's a personality trait, right? Yeah. So maybe when I'm much older, I might change, but I don't see this changing anytime soon. And probably for the best, right? Because this is the age to be putting in the work. Mm-hmm. How about you? What takes you off? Well, before I tell you what takes me off, I just wanted to say, in many ways, we're very similar because I'm almost identical in that where I find it very difficult to relax. Uh, I had to actually train myself to learn how to relax. Um, so I, I don't think you're alone with that. I think there's a lot of guys that uh, are very workaholic and they have to learn what it's like to unwind. I just wanted to give you that point. Now, what pisses me off is incompetence especially from someone who gets paid to do a certain job. And um, it's like if I'm going to a certain place and it's like I hire you for something and now it's becoming a participatory project where I'm helping you do your damn job, that really pisses me off. Not just a little bit, piss me off a lot. (laughs) You know? Yes. Now I'm just looking at your work so that you don't make a mistake. So I've put in the same amount of time I would have. And I'm paying yeah. you for it. Yeah, dude. It's just like, man, like, just do your damn job. And it's like, whenever you even echo that sentiment, uh, there's some people that are like, well, did you understand what this person is going through? Maybe they're going to sort of through some problems too. I'm like, I don't give a damn, man. Like, if you're getting paid to do a certain thing, um, I don't want to know about your emotional state at all. Just do the job. Let's get our interaction done with, and then we could go about our own lives. I think it's especially, I'm more sensitive towards this nowadays, uh, especially since starting business, where back in the days when I used to get a paycheck, I didn't necessarily understand what it's like to create money. It's like I got the paycheck and I knew that every other week I was going to get that paycheck. Uh, But since I started Armani Talks and uh, like for me to create money, it starts with an idea. Like I'll have an idea for a certain product, then I'll bring it into reality. I'll keep working on it, refining it. And eventually, after a long process, I get money. So since I understand the process of idea to the money stage, I'm very sensitive when that money is being wasted. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I know what you mean. Yeah, I've had the displeasure of hiring incompetent people in the past, and it's just never fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like sometimes like I'll, I'll, for example, go get a haircut and getting a haircut is very similar to you trying on clothes in the dressing room. Did you ever have that problem where you try on a shirt in the dressing room? It fits perfect. Then you come home and the shirt doesn't fit, feel perfect anymore. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. It's very similar with getting a haircut or like after they cut your hair, like, oh my God, this looks perfect. Then you come home, you take a shower and you're like, oh no, like this person missed this, this, this. And now you're over here having to do their job for them. And I'm like, bro, I paid you, so I don't have to do this job. And now I'm over here, like, snipping away at my hair on top of my sink, my sink went clogged. 
like it's like these ripple effects that I wasn't aware of before, but nowadays I'm more aware of since starting a business. Oh man, you just really care about your hair, don't you? Not just the hair, dude. It's just the principle of the matter. It's like if I'm going to a restaurant, they're not asking me like, "Hey, do you want water?" It's like, bro, what is this, man? Like, <laughs> you know, like, and it's not only that either. Like sometimes, dude, I'll actually give you another example. A while back, I got in this car accident, and the front end of my car was ruined. I go to this collision center; they're supposed to fix it. And this guy, like, he he calls me and he's like, "Hey, uh, it looks like uh, we need a particular item that I don't have at my store." I'm like, "Okay, uh, what are you what are you <laughs> going to do about it?" And he's just like, "Oh well, you know, I could call a, a bunch of these other stores in order to get that part, but if you want to help me out, how about you call them?" And I'm like. No, I don't want to help you out. <laughs> I was like, I'm not trying to help you out, bro. Like, I just got in the car accident. I got other shit to take care of. I'm paying you twenty five hundred dollars to take care of this yourself. Go ahead and take care of it. So now he's just showing an attitude. He's like, Oh, okay, I guess I will call them. It's like, <laughs> it's like this is your job, bro. This is what you get paid to do. Do your fucking job. And so it really, see, I just give you three examples: haircut, food, and uh, automobiles, where. Most individuals, when they're working, it's just a paycheck for them, and they're going to bring their emotions into the transaction with you. Where I want nothing to do with your emotions. Be a professional, do your job, and then let's go about our own lives. Hmm. I I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Personally, I don't get super annoyed by these things. I just I don't care enough. For example, if someone didn't ask me for water, I'll call him and I'll tell him, "Okay, give me the water." And I've never had the experience of cutting my whole hair again. My hair again after a haircut. I just don't care enough, you know. It just looks good, or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, I just go back and like fix it, bro. You go back so, and you tell them to fix it. Yeah. So in India, there's a lot of these salons, and they're everywhere. And you don't like travel to a salon; you just go to the nearest one. So I go to a bar, but I don't go to a salon. I think salon is like a Western thing, right? I go to a barber. The barber charges a hundred rupees, so that's like one and a half dollars, like one point two dollars for a haircut. He does it's my hair. The, yeah, yeah. It's not the act, though, harsh. It's the principle of the matter. Of no, my point not, is that yeah. even if he messes up, I just go there again. But that's never happened yet. It's only happened once, and that was kind of my fault because I I showed him a hairstyle which was a little different. And he, he didn't have any experience doing it. I should have gone mm-hmm. to a more expensive barber for that, but I just chose this one. I was just being lazy. It's right next to my house. So, I, I but I know what you mean. It, it's very annoying to hire incompetent people. Yeah, especially at the prices you pay in Western countries, right? If you, if I'm paying two hundred dollars for a haircut, it better be really good. Two hundred dollars for a haircut? Damn, that's a lot. What's I'm just 100? guessing. I'm just guessing. What's I don't know. I've never had it. Haircut in your country. See, 100 rupees to dollars is literally $1.21. Yeah, <laughs> and it's an expensive guy, right? You can get a haircut for like 40 rupees. What? That's so cheap. For here, it's at least $20 at a cheap place. Yeah, so India is a cheap country. Well, that's and a $1.21 haircut is a pretty good haircut. AC place. And yeah, the guy gives you water and juice and everything. So, so it's like one thousand six hundred fifty-five rupees is twenty dollars. So it's like you're paying twenty dollars. You want all the work done with the due diligence. That's my main thing. Like I don't mind 
doing the job for you. Like I didn't mind technically calling uh, the other shops to see if this auto mechanic guy had the part, but it's the principle of the matter. When I'm giving you money, I'm not just giving you a bunch of dollar bills. I'm actually giving you a thing called trust. So I'm putting my trust in you to do your due diligence. And when someone is incompetent, they're hurting my trust. And that's not something that I like. Mm, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. I think that you should try living in a third world country for a while where money goes a long way. And if you pay more, like if you if you give a good tip, for, an, for example, I might tip a guy 50 rupees. It's like half a dollar. But that's like 50% of the price of the service. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the best service in the world. Like the moment, like if there's a line, when you show up, the line will not be taken care of. You will be next in line no matter what time you show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy is going to bring you whatever you want. And it's going to be like significantly cheaper than the cheapest thing you can buy in your country. You should definitely try it once. Yeah. I would be happy to help you adjust to India and introduce you to people. Yeah, for sure, man. No, no, I definitely want to come through one of these days. But here's like back to what you were saying. Um, if it's like me, for example, going to McDonald's and like they're not asking me for water, I don't give a damn. But if it's me going to a four-star restaurant where each dish is at least $65 and they're not asking for water, uh, asking me for water, I have a problem with that because I'm paying you for the experience. And just to like let you know that I'm not the only person thinking this, have you ever heard of this account called Zuby Music? I love that guy. Yes. Zuby, yeah. right? The dark guy who sings rap. Yeah, yeah. So I was complaining about girl. this. I'm so sorry. Let me not misidentify his gender. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was like talking to what I'm talking to you about with one of my friends. And he screenshotted me one of Zuby's tweets. It goes like this. It's crazy how so many hotels don't even tidy your room or change towels anymore. Just like all the restaurants that don't take your orders anymore, nor even have physical menus. The pandemic became a permanent, permanent excuse for a lot of poor service. I'm not a fan of things becoming noticeably worse. This stuff may seem minor, but they're all symptoms of an overall uh, decline in care, effort, pride in work, and desire to serve other people. It feels like a race to the bottom. Meanwhile, prices still rise. And when I saw that tweet, I'm like, holy shit, I'm not the only one. There's a guy that literally articulated everything that I'm feeling. And it's something that I've noticed, like people are losing pride in their work, but the prices are still going up. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? It's not their fault. It's not their fault, is it? Because the price is going up is the government printing money. So you can't blame them for it. And the the service you get is based on competition. It's based on competition. And if there's not enough competition, then this is what you get. No, I think you're too like lackadaisical with this. I think this is a more serious issue than you're giving it credit for. I think it might just be a Western thing because I have not noticed that in India. India service is still very, very good. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get good service, the restaurant shuts down. People leave so many one-star reviews that no one comes there anymore. Mm. Probably. So in- it's probably more of a Western thing. Where, where's the Zubi from? I think he's from the UK. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's happening in the UK. So that's like Pakistan, but better. Is it? Yeah, I've heard that it's becoming a lot like Pakistan. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, so that was like the 
initial question you asked me, like what annoys me, I would say it's the like poor quality work. Okay, so how about this, Arman? Let's say that you go to a cheap place and no one asks you for water. Is that fine? Yeah, I don't care. Uh, because I, if it's a cheap place, I'm not expecting them to ask me for water. If I'm going to a Chinese spot, uh, like uh, just to get Chinese food, boom, in, out, done. You see what I'm saying? But if I'm paying $75 for one of like these prime steakhouse places, then I'm measuring you from a different standard. I see. So do you leave them a negative review after your bad experience? I mean, that's like, that's something I have to care about doing. Like I have no problem in doing it, but now I have to create a, like a Yelp account and then a login for my Gmail and then leave the review. You it's make like, a Yelp account? Uh, some sort of account, like to leave the review. If it's easy, like just Google to be like, reviews or something. Yeah. If you like the service or didn't like the service, if it's easy like that. I'll do it. But I got other shit to do. Uh, I'm just talking about, since you asked me, like, like what annoys me, but I don't care enough at this point in order to leave the review. You should review the place. If if they're if they're basically doing that to you, if they're disrespecting you, right? Like if they're taking so much money for you per dish, but they're disrespecting you by not even giving you water. That's something know. that you should leave a review for. See, and that will prevent much... more people from coming in and it'll force them to improve their service. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree with the logic. I don't know how much of it is disrespect versus incompetence where what Zubi noticed uh, around the end, like the pandemic became a permanent excuse for a lot of poor service. That's something that I've noticed where people aren't even getting trained as properly as before. Um, so I don't necessarily want to uh, talk more on the matter because I don't know the training thing. Um, but I have noticed this after the pandemic where a lot of things where it used to be a certain measurement the measurement, the bar just keeps getting lower and lower. And at first you could ignore it, but later on, it's like you, like, let's say you go to a hotel and there's a shit stain on your uh, bed cover and you call the, the person fuck? and you're like, yo man, what the hell? There's a shit stain on the bed cover. <laughs> and the hotel manager's like, I, I get it. Okay. I'm having a lot of, uh, I'm having a lot of fear today. You got to understand my emotional state. That's when you're going to start noticing it. So it starts off <laughs> small. And if you have like a very like, oh, whatever, man, it's not a big deal attitude. It's like fast forward with this trajectory five years from now, it's not looking good. A lot of the oh, stuff man. that go ahead. A lot of the stuff that we take for granted, we gotta understand that these are accepted ideas. So no one's forcing us to do certain things. It's just that a society is ex expecting it. That's why once we agree on the ideas. It's going to be maintained. But once someone is trying to change the boundaries just a little bit, it's not, you'll see that these ideas that we take for granted uh, can go in a downward spiral real quick. So the hotel example, the shit stain thing, it could actually happen. I see what you mean. It's like, you know, 50 years ago, a woman would be fully covered. And now, you know, and over time, you know, she started wearing jeans, tight clothes. Now you see the chest. Then you see the stomach, now you see their entire legs. And nowadays you see women wearing basically underwear when they're going out. Mm. And it's way more accepted than it used to be. So right. I see what you mean, how cultures change and standards decline or standards change. So it's a sense yeah. you're basically talking about that. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that I, 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 
I think that when the service standards in a country decline, it's a bad omen, right? It kind of shows that people no longer take pride in themselves and what they do. Mm-hmm. And they are no longer hardworking individuals. And that means your country is on the decline culturally as well as economically. Yeah, absolutely. And what would you do to fix something like that? If you were president for a day, more competition? Probably more competition. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. So I'll give you an example of okay? The place I used to live at earlier, this was a long time ago. This was pre-internet days. They would give you home delivery for food. Like if you order groceries, the guys who sell groceries, they used to be small shops and they would deliver it to your house, but they would be very non-punctual about it. So if you ordered today, it would get delivered at any random time in the evening. And you had basically no service. The guy may pick up your phone. He might not. He might charge you slightly more, slightly less. The stuff he brings you might not be as good. But now, 2022, you have Amazon and all these companies that are delivering to your doorstep. And now, if you order from Amazon, you get it in two hours. And it's if it's not good, they just refund you the money. Mm-hmm. So these guys are facing so much competition that now if you call up these stores and want a delivery, you get it to your house in 15 minutes. The stuff is as good as it can get. Yeah. And if there's any problems, they fix it right away. So they right. really don't want to lose a customer. So more competition fixes things, especially if the competition is good. For yeah. example, if you have three gourmet restaurants and they're all fucking customers who are not even asking for water, and I come there and I start a gourmet restaurant and, you know, they're being served by cute girls and they're all asking for water. Everything is on time and you're being treated by royalty. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to come next? You're going to come to me, not to the other people. And these other guys, they're gonna, they, 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 they'll be forced to also do the same thing. They'll be forced to come and ask you for water and make sure you get the good hospitality. <laughs> they're getting shamed into doing their job. No, it's and not shame. It's just no, no, it's not shame. Yeah, no, it's competition. But... Uh, competition will force you to sharpen your game where I think this is a good transition. Uh, have you heard about Gumroad recently? Just increasing. Oh, man. Don't, don't get started. Yeah. It, they just went crazy. But I wrote an email about this where this, once they made that announcement, there were so many of these other platforms I've never heard of that were, um, they're like, we only charge 2%. We only charge 3%. So first of all, Harsh, do you want to explain what happened with the whole Gumroad thing? Or you want to explain it before we talk about it? Okay, so Gumroad's original fee, at least in 2018, was 3.5%. And they would charge you 10, 20, 100 bucks, depending on how much money you were making per month. Then Gumroad did this thing where they said, okay, we're going to get rid of the regular monthly fee. And we're going to charge you as a percentage of transaction only. And the, the amount we charge you would depend on how much you've earned. So if you've earned $1,000 on Gumroad or less, we're going to charge you 10% per sale. After $1,000 to $10,000, we're going to charge you 3% per sale. From I don't remember these numbers now, but say from $10,000 to $50,000, we're going to charge you 5% per sale. More than $100,000, we're going to charge you 3% per sale. And if you've made over a million dollars on Gumroad, we're going to charge you 2.9% per, per sale henceforth for, your, for the rest of your life. And uh, that was 
a dumb move from Gumroad on my part. I kind of felt that it was stupid when they did it because it's just unsustainable. And I think Sahil Lavinga, who created Gumroad, knows that. So they did that for a while. And uh, from what I understand, they were not making as much money. So they were making like $50,000, $60,000 a month from Gumroad. And that's not good for a tech company that's been around for 11 years, right? That's It's, it's trash in the tech world. It's not interesting. It's not worth talking about. Mm-hmm. So he needed to make more money because in the previous year, he had raised a hundred million. He has raised money at a valuation of a hundred million dollars. And uh, in the present economy, interest rates and everything have been rising. So to justify the investment that people have made in his company, he has to turn a bigger profit. I mean, a company making $50,000 a month after 11 years does not, de- does not deserve a hundred million dollar valuation. So he needs to make way more money. And his current charge, the 2.9%, 3%, is just so low that it's not profitable because the 2.9% not only includes the hosting fee, the customer service costs, you know, the, the people who respond to emails, but also the Stripe fee and the PayPal fee. So, you know, Stripe, PayPal charge 2 to 2.5%, whatever they must be charging them. So they only get to keep like 0.1, 0.2, or some very small percentage of the sale just for themselves. And from that, they have to pay out all these employees. So Sahil decided to change the commission rate, sorry, their their fee rate from this 2.9% to essentially 15%. That is 10% to Gumroad plus the Stripe fee, which is 5-ish percent for international transaction. So the fee went from 2.9 to roughly 5-15%, which is an insane increase. It's, it's, it's an extremely big jump. And people are really mad about it because people have been supporting and using Gumroad for a long time now. And they were not expecting their fees to rise, especially when they were promised 2.93% for life. You know, when, you, when, you, when your sales page says lifetime, and then you suddenly do a 5x jump in your fee, people feel scammed. So that's the small gist version of it. Um, For people who lack context, what Gumroad does is that it allows you to list a product that you're selling on their website. It takes the payment and it delivers the product to the customer. For example, you upload your ebook on Gumroad, people pay Gumroad, and then they download your ebook from Gumroad. The thing is that this is this checkout service is kind of a commodity business at this point because there are so many players in it. And most people charge fees from just the Stripe fee, like 0% and some monthly fee, like $50, $60, to something like 3%, to something like 5%, you could say. Like 5% is the normal charge. So these guys are now three times more expensive than the normal charge for a commodity-based service where people don't particularly care that the product is on Gumroad, right? Gumroad is not driving the sales. The person who wrote the ebook is. So, for example, if you buy my digital product, let's say you buy the art of Twitter, you're buying it because you trust the information I'm putting out. You're not buying it because it's on Gumroad. So, in other words, the business Gumroad is in is somewhat commodified. It's somewhat of a commodity business. It's interchangeable. And the price of charging for it is too high. And people who don't People who are not in this business, they don't realize how high 15% is. 
if you make a million dollars a year, that's like $150,000 in fees for just processing your transactions mm -hmm. where other people will just charge you 40, 50,000 for it. So you're wasting a hundred thousand dollars to use Gumroad and you're not getting anything in return. That's the thing people are mad about. It's just that the big, big people, the bigger, the bigger sellers, the ones who do the biggest amount of volume, they're just going to leave, right? This is just too high. No one's going to pay 15%. I mean, there are people who might do it, but most people who can leave without it affecting their business will leave. So that's the big thing going on at Gumroad right now. Mm -hmm. The other issue that's happening at Gumroad is that they, the way they communicate it, this change, it came off as unprofessional to me in the sense that so they, they send the email after they sent a tweet. So I saw the thing on Twitter first. I'm like, wait a minute. I make such as I, I just, I do so much business with you guys and you have increased the fee by five times. And instead of sending me an email and letting me know like that, you just put it on Twitter. Really? Mm. And that's, just, that's a stupid thing to do on their part. But I think what actually happened to them was that they sent out the email. But because they listed so long, it takes like a day to send the email out. So they clicked send and they posted the tweet at the same time, which meant that everybody received their, the tweet before they saw the email. So that's one thing people were mad about. The second thing is that they said that to find out the reason behind the change, you have to watch one hour of our board meeting call. And I'm like, I don't want to watch one hour of your board meeting call to know why you changed the price. But I did watch it anyway because it was a big impact on my business. Mm -hmm. And the summary of the thing, it sounded like this, okay? So we want to make how much Gumroad makes more transparent. So we're going to change our fee to 10%. And so it's it's out there. And if you if you like it, fine. And if you don't like it, the numbers are out there and you can decide. And I think that's not... A, a good way to communicate such a big price increase, right? Because at this point, you're just saying, fuck you. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it, yeah. Fuck you, take it or leave it. And that's not how you talk to people. It's just mm -hmm. not how you do business. So that, that kind of really pissed people off. And the reasoning is not justified. I mean, I get that you want to make money, but then say that you want to make money. It's fine. Like I get it. I'm a businessman. I understand you want to make money off your business. And if you had said that, that would be good. But the reasoning you're giving is we want to be transparent about Gumroad's pricing. And the reason we're making this change is that so that you know how much Gumroad is making. Like, I, I don't care about that. <laughs> I mean, I Process my order, bro. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the reason I listen Gumroad is not because I care about how much Gumroad is making. Yeah, man. I mean, they lost sight. So... What's the future? Do, do you still plan to use Gumroad or still deciding? See, I, I'll tell you what. I think I, I understand Sal's decision for doing this in the sense that he's been doing it for 10 years. He's barely been making any money. Gumroad went, almost went bankrupt once. And he deserves to make more money out of his business. So I understand his decision and I don't, resist, I don't disrespect him. I saw a lot of people basically disrespecting him and calling him a retard. I don't think that's true. I think the guy is smart. I think he knows what he's doing. And I think he's making a longer term decision to raise his fee 
and uh, it's a business risk that he's taking where either gumroad might is going to make a lot of money now that the fees are much higher or it might shut down and everybody just leaves so it's a risk he's taking and we're going to see how it plays out i am not fully convinced that it is going to go down in flames and gumroad is going to you know shut down or go bankrupt i don't believe that i think that we we're going to see a lot of the bigger creators leave but over time we might just see that this thing works but it kind of means that gumroad is going to grow significantly slower henceforth because what drives people to use gumroad it's because other people use gumroad i use gumroad because i saw pd mangan sell his ebook on gumroad and i thought okay so i just wrote a ebook where do i sell it well this guy sells it here so i, sh- I should use it and all the bigger people who use gumroad like let's take my account all the people who come across my sales page they're exposed to this platform right and whenever they decide to create some digital product they're going to use gumroad because they trust me and i trust gumroad so therefore by extension they can trust gumroad but if i stop using gumroad and all the other bigger people stop using gumroad then this brand ambassador thing goes away and they're cost of acquisition of a customer essentially rises significantly or they just stop getting customers mm-hmm. so that's a big risk they're taking right now i think the 15% fee increase is insane i think that i think that there is sahil seems to have ignored the fact that he is not operating in a vacuum i understand that gumroad needs to make more money but gumroad is not the only player in the market And it's a really red market now. It's a really high competition market exactly. And uh, he seems to be acting as if this is the only solution out there and you can take it or leave it. And I think that a lot of people are going to choose to leave it. So that's a factor. So I I do think that the the fee increase is too high, but I don't think the fee increase is unjustified. I think that a 5%, 6%, 7% fee would be fine. But 15% is just way too much. My other crib with Gumroad is that they just it seems like a stagnant company in some sense. And what I mean by that is that they seem to release features which no one cares about and they don't seem to release features which everybody reads. For example, in India they pay you by PayPal. So they, if they send you I'm just going to take a round figure if they send you $1000 by PayPal they've paid a PayPal fee which is nice but PayPal forces you to convert to Indian rupees at their rate and for some reason their rate is 5% lower than the regular rate so PayPal essentially charges you a hidden fee to convert to rupees and they force you to convert it with PayPal so If you get paid a thousand dollars by Gumroad, you essentially get nine hundred fifty dollars, because PayPal is going to take five percent by scamming you. They're going to just take it with their hidden fee. And the way Gumroad can avoid it, and it's a very simple change, is to just pay you via a different platform like Payoneer. So if PayPal paid you via Payoneer, the fee for conversion would be one percent instead of five percent. and i think payoneer allows you to convert usd for free so the fee might actually be non existent and this is a change people have been asking for a long time and gumroad just doesn't do it so there are simple things that gumroad can do to make their creators lives better to make them more money which gumroad just refuses to do and has refused refused to do for years and years and years 
and it just makes no sense whatsoever like these guys are in some sense have been asleep by the wheel for a long time and even though they have pushed upgrades it doesn't seem like they have changed much in the past five years it just doesn't seem like it in the sense that so far i can still list products i can sell them my sales page looks pretty similar to what it used to look like five years ago and the experience of my customers looks pretty similar where they buy it then they you know download it from the site so they haven't introduced many features that would make it a more modern platform i don't know why they haven't done that and it just seems stagnant if you ask me i think that sahil lavinga and his team they they need to build gumroad a lot more to justify a 15% charge that they are charging and i think they should charge that once they have justified it and not before because when do people use gumroad i use gumroad because when i started it was the simplest platform i could use and my business was not big enough lmm was a hobby it was not big enough to use something like click funnels and pay 400 bucks a month to use it it is big enough for it now i can pay 500 bucks a month for click funnels and not even think about it but i just continue to use gumroad because i like their team they're honest people and good customer support people trust them so i've been continuing to use gumroad and they, of course and also because they're cheap or cheaper than many other platforms but at this point at 15% if i'm going to pay that much money if if, if i'm going to pay $100,000 150 200,000 $300,000 a month sorry a year just to transact on your platform then i might as well use a much more professional solution that has way more features than you guys are offering me and you know move do you, do get you have any yeah do you have any backup options or still scoping the field right now i am scoping the field right now i did check out some that i really like there plates. was a... no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you take lemon squeezy uh, there's this platform called lemon squeezy that seems to be pretty good so i switched a saas business that i had on gumroad to mm-hmm. lemon squeezy so that's already done okay that's already been switched from gumroad um then there's teachable i'm looking into teachable and i'm looking into a bunch of other players also which might fit the bill i'm looking into click funnels etc etc thrive card mm-hmm. but i might just stick with gumroad i have a i, I might you just use both because i have about a thousand or so affiliates i have many thousands of affiliates on gumroad at this, at this point you i think it's like reviews on your listing page too yeah exactly so i'm kind of well integrated into their platform so i might just leave the listing up while moving my main sales so i might stop linking to gumroad but i might just leave it there mm okay because it's not like technically sp- speaking like it is costing you money from the the fee but you're not paying like monthly subscription fees right so i would rather pay monthly subscription fee because at that it, it doesn't make sense right let's yeah. say that i'm just going to like throw out random numbers now So if you make $100,000 a month in sales and your fee is 15%, so you're paying $15,000 a month. Now would it not be better to pay $500 a month plus a 3% charge? Yeah. So I would rather pay a monthly fee than to pay a percentage fee because the did percentage fee is just up? insane. A lot because of people I, did. Okay, okay, because I I saw a bunch of like big creators just calling out Gumroad 
And they weren't just calling them out with disrespect. There was also some feedback as well. Like, hey, instead of doing 15%, what about 5%? Uh, th these sort of, or 10% do 5%. Uh, so you're saying they were also encouraging for the subscription-based model? Yeah, I think Gumroad, I would be happy. I'm happy to pay five, five and a half percent to Gumroad. I think they're a good team and they've, they've just been very earnest over the years and I trust them. Mm -hmm. So I would actually like to stay with Gumroad. So this is like a breakup I don't want. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're still pursuing it. Um, yeah, I, I would rather stay with Gumroad, but I would not pay 15%. That's just insane. Dude, what's so crazy about all of this is that um, three weeks before the Gumroad news happened, there was some very shocking Skillshare news as well. And for those of you guys who haven't heard, Skillshare is a platform where you could make classes and upload it. It's very much like YouTube, but it's more class-centric. So they introduced a new payment plan out of the blue as well. They didn't give their creators any updates or anything like that. Just boom, new model. And what happened was that a lot of individuals that were making $10,000 per month suddenly went on to make $4,000 a month. Oh, man. Think about that. So a lot of different niches were affected. Um, and it's just like, wait a minute, like this is so ambiguous. Like, and they introduced all these new phrases and stuff. They're like, well, we're going to be monitoring this percentage rate and that percentage rate and just leaving a lot of people confused. So two to three weeks before the Gumroad news, the Skillshare news happened as well. And here I am just a creator on both platforms, observing from afar, seeing like these big platforms enraging their top creators and i just wondered what's the future of online business like because when you're too centric on one platform stuff like this just happens it's like these abrupt changes out of the blue that could change up your entire business model and you need to create your business in a way where it's shock absorbent where it's capable of at least like adjusting towards this See, I'll tell you what, it's not these platforms' fault. We are in a terrible economy right now. And if you've noticed, there's a lot of inflation and interest rates are rising. Yeah. Now, what, what happens when interest rates rise? Investors are less willing to risk their money because they can get a, a decent return safely by just buying bonds or whatever. This means there's less money floating around in the economy and less people investing money. This means as a startup or as a company, it's much harder to get money for free from investors, right? This means you have to make the money to spend on your staff or whatever stuff you're spending the money on. So for the past 15 years or so, we were essentially in a close to 0% interest rate environment where there was so much money in the market because money was essentially free that it was very easy to raise lots of money and then run as a loss-making company for years and years and years and years. And these investors were essentially subsidizing customers. But now that investor money is drying up because the economy is slowing down and because interest rates are getting higher, any company that wants to survive has to make a profit from customers and not just spend investor money. And to do that, they can't offer the same things that they were offering before. Mm. And it's not their fault. It's not the company's fault. You know, the company doesn't want to fuck over people. Usually, I mean, unless they're a monopoly, then they can. But 
I doubt that Sahil Lavinga woke up one day and said, I want to fuck over all of these creators I've been supporting for 10 years. I, I don't think that happened to him. I think he's a for good sure. guy. There's different stressors that the CEOs face that the users of the platforms don't necessarily understand. So I definitely do agree with that. But on the flip side, what is your advice for upcoming businessmen that are building businesses online? And how can they make their business more um, able, more anti-fragile in situations like this? I think that you should focus on profitability from the beginning and not like, not, not think like the typical Silicon Valley thing where we're going to make a loss for the next 50 years and then we're going to make a profit. Don't depend on investor money. Try to make your business profitable. So I would say that you shouldn't depend on other people giving you money to run your business. Your business should have the cash flow to run itself. Or that's what it should be aiming for as fast as it can. Mm-hmm. So I would say focus on that. Because then you don't need to put, all, put out all these shocks. The second thing I would say is to charge a decent price from the get-go. Don't be so cheap that... Don't be so cheap that you attract people who only are with you because everything is so cheap. Because then when you raise the price even slightly, everyone starts to get mad. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. If you raise the price of a luxury hotel room by 20%, are people going to get mad slightly? If you raise the price of sugar by 20%, you're going to have protests in the streets. So you don't want to be someone selling the cheapest product. You don't want your your, your ultimate selling pro- point shouldn't be that you're the cheapest thing in the market. So you should charge somewhat fairly for whatever you're providing. Of course, it doesn't mean you charge 15%. That's too high. But it should be a fair amount. 2.9% that Gumroad was charging was insanely low. Right. So my oh. advice, other advice is to make sure that you're not undercharging or you're not like significantly undercharging. Yeah, I would also say like for moments like this, uh, do your best to gradually introduce the changes rather than abrupt changes. But I get it. In certain businesses, abrupt changes are necessary. But the more abrupt that it's going to be, the more that communication is needed. Where with Skillshare and Gumroad, one thing that I noticed is that for both of these situations that are completely disparate, they were, uh, their top creators were just like, I didn't feel like I was communicated with. It just seemed like a shocking news to me. So if there were like more updates, like, hey guys, within the next week, certain changes are going to happen. We'll keep you more posted. And then boom, boom, boom. More of these micro little communication touch points. This allows for the sting to feel less. It's like, imagine, Harsh, that you're trying to get your website done, right? You're remodeling your entire website and your web developer is like, it's going to take me three months, okay? Now, in one situation, imagine that once the three months are up, the guy's like, I need another three months. It's like, okay. Versus the other situation where it's like, as one month is up, the guy's like, this is way more difficult than I expected. It's going to take longer. And he's giving you this micro updates which one are you going to be more mad at the first guy because he just dumped a bunch of news on you out of nowhere so the more abrupt the change the more communication is needed 
I, I, I think you're 100% right. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. I think that if Sahil was sending out emails saying that, okay, so Gumroad is not making enough money and we need to find a way to make more money so that we can survive as a company or whatever, you know, to give a fair return to our investors. And he sent out five, six emails like that in the coming months. I think he would be treated more warmly after the price rise. Mm-hmm. I think that what he did was the opposite. Not only did he make it abrupt, he also said fuck you in the email. He, I mean, he didn't actually use the words, but it basically that's what it said. You know, it said take it or leave it. The numbers are out there. Right. You can make your own decision. Mm-hmm. So that, that's not something that you would. That's not a that's not a smart thing to do. You know, like let's say that you go to a hotel, and the hotel has raised prices, and you're like, okay, so I can't afford this much. You know, I I, I I'm used to paying the old price. Can you give? Can you do the old price for me? And the hotel guy says, no, sir, we can't. We just have our costs are rising, et cetera. We need to charge you the new price. And that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if the hotel says, no, this is our prices, take it or leave it. That's going to be, even if I can afford it, I'm not going to stay there. I just feel disrespected now. Right. So I think that, I, I think that it was just a mistake he made. It wasn't like, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason people were so pissed off about it was that the justification and the language that was used was something that was we don't expect from Gumroad. Gumroad is supposed to be this warm company, friendly company that takes care of its creators. And then all of a sudden you increase the fee and then you say you take it and you leave it. And that's not that that's just too big of a shock from Gumroad. I think yeah. that's that pissed off people way more. And that's why people were far more abrasive than they would normally have been. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that the Gumroad people are evil or assholes or anything. You know, I saw a lot of people saying things like Gumroad is going to die. I don't think that is true. Right. I think Sahil is a decent guy. He's an honest person. And I think that he's just, in my opinion, he seems to be making a bad business decision. Mm-hmm. But only time will tell if it was good or bad. I think yeah. that he seems to be saying this. He, he seems to be saying that um, we. it's up to us to justify whether the 15% is a fair take or not. And I think that the justification has to come first, where you first have to become the platform where you can charge three times more than your biggest competitors. Mm-hmm. Then first charge three times more and then try to find a way to prove it. Yeah. And it's one of those things with timing too, where I would say four years ago, this would have been making more sense because Gumroad was one of the main players in this market. But the way that we initially began this conversation was talking about competition. And when Gumroad made this announcement, there were like three or four other companies that offered the same exact service for cheaper. Um, Now, granted, uh, their services I've never heard of. And whenever you're trying to sell a certain product, uh, if your customers don't know uh, about this platform and they have to build an account with them and such, I mean, there's more tension where Gumroad was able to resolve a lot of that tension because you mentioned it, that a guy like Life Math Money is using Gumroad. Big creators are using Gumroad. So it's like, oh, okay, well, if all these guys are using it, I'll go ahead and make a profile. And I'm sure that I'll buy not only this guy's product, but those guys' product as well. But if, when you're introducing a brand new player, it's like, uh, do I really trust them? So even if their percentage is less harsh, they're going to have to build that brand 
they're going to have to recruit a lot of the big creators like a life math money to build some credibility for their brand. I think that the the game has changed since 2018, five years ago, right? Four or five years ago. Nowadays, you have big creators, even on Twitter and everywhere, who earlier used to use Gumroad, also use things like Teachable. And Gumroad is no longer a monopoly in the Twitter space, at least, the one where I'm at. So mm-hmm. you see more and more people going with different platforms. And I think that you will see more people switch to something like Teachable or other platforms, even Lemon Squeezy. We might see other platforms become just as popular as Gumroad is in a few years. Mm-hmm. But only time will tell. Only time will tell. Only I wish Gumroad the best, though. I, I hope they make it out of this alive. And I mm-hmm. hope that they lower their fees because... I really like Gumroad and I want to continue to use them, but 15% is just too high. It's very beginner friendly as well. Where every now and then, like I'll have a client whose YouTube channel is just suddenly blowing up. And it's like, what do I do? I'm like, uh, make a, make a Gumroad product. And it's so easy to walk them through where if you're like 45 years old, a lot of them are like tech phobic, like, Oh no, I don't want to play around with all that tech. But when you introduce Gumroad to them, they're like, oh, that's it? I'm like, that's it. You have a product that's live. So, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of individuals do not want Gumroad to fail. Um, it's because we have that nostalgic side to Gumroad. Uh, for a lot of business owners, it, it was their first taste of what it's like to make $100 online. So there's that nostalgia effect that Gumroad has. Mm, you're right about that. They have this. Uh, they have the goodwill in the market. Yeah, it's like, guys, like, seriously, take this seriously. Like, do your best to communicate more effectively uh, because people actually want you to succeed. You know, there's a big difference between mistakes and malice. Mistakes are born from ignorance. Malice is born from bad intent. And I think people that are, like, have been using Gumroad for a while, Harsh, uh, they don't view Sahel and, like, these Gumroad individuals as operating with malice. Uh, at most, you know, they're saying that, you know, that's what they needed to do to make money or it was a mistake in how they approach the situation. So if it's a mistake, people will give you another chance. But if they're eventually thinking that you're operating with malice, then they're going to jump ship real quick. Yeah, man, I think that I, I don't think they're they're malicious in any way possible. I would be I, I really I just don't believe that. I just think that they're good people. At least Sahil, I think, is a good person. I'm. I've interacted with him a lot of times now. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy. And I think if they were malicious, you would have seen the malice before and it would not have been so cheap for so long. Right. But I think that we're just entering a completely different environment that people haven't seen in a long time, but interest rates are rising, inflation is rising, and there's less money going around. Mm-hmm. And I think customers will have to start paying for the services that they're using, even for a lot of these tech companies, right? where you are used to getting everything for significantly cheaper than what it's worth. So a lot of these tech companies, they offer a product worth 100 rupees for 70 rupees because they have some investor who's paying for the other 30 rupees. Right. But that's going to stop and you're going to have to start paying 103 rupees so that this company can stay alive. Mm. So people have to get used to paying for the things that they're getting instead of having investors subsidize it for them. And I think for a lot of people, this is going to be very shocking. But 
I still believe that the price increase Gumroad has is completely insane. Right. Because the, the, the amount is just too much. 15%, that's 10% for them, plus the Stripe fee is too much when their competition charges like 5%, 4% or something like that. Mm -hmm. Has it... Actually, it's probably not a good question. I'm pretty sure it has affected your business. Has it affected it a lot? So, so far, they haven't changed anything yet. The mm -hmm. price increase will happen on 31st January. January okay. And it's not going to affect anything except it's going to increase my costs. Mm, okay. Okay. Interesting, man. I mean, if you're listening, anyone from Gumroad, we wish you the best. Uh, we want you to succeed. So hopefully you take What are your thoughts on this? Back. Do you um, intend on staying on Gumroad? I know you use it. Yeah, I use Gumroad, dude. Um, for me, um, I still plan to use it. Um, see, my products are like very vast. Like I have products on Gumroad, Amazon, Drafted Digital, Apple Books, and such, where something like this does affect the Armani Talks brand, but it's not enough to destroy it or anything because I tried to make it very robust from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I mean, no one wants to pay like more in percentage fees, but this is something that I expected a couple of years back, and I definitely expected it when um, Skillshare made their like very shocking news. I was like, okay. It's just a matter of time before uh, ACX, um, Gumroad, and them, they join the chorus as well. So uh, I predicted something like that, and it's like, yeah, it's going to affect it, but whining is not a business plan. You, you want to um, move forward anyways. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But yeah, I think it's, that it's in your case, yeah. the, go, go ahead. The, the actual dollar amount is not large enough on Gumroad, if I have to guess. It's not like you're, you're not spending an extra $100,000, $200,000 a year or something. Yeah, I mean, like most of my business doesn't come from Gumroad in the first place. It's just one of the vehicles where I do know certain people, like they get their entire, like they get 95% of their revenue from Gumroad or they get 95% of their revenue from Skillshare. Um, there was this teacher who, after years and years of work harsh, she finally had enough money to quit her job. She said, F you to her boss. And then she quit, <laughs> right? She was making 10K uh, a month. And we're all in like this Facebook group. So then Skillshare introduces the new plan. And mind you, she's making all her money from Skillshare. And she goes from making 10K a month to making 4K a month. And I think she lives in New York. So that's barely anything in New York. So now she's looking for a job again. Oh man, that sucks. I think so, that so saying should, fuck you to your boss is just dumb. Yeah, like I don't think also I don't think you should make most of your income from just one source because here's the thing. The people running these platforms are humans. And whenever you get humans together for a long period of time, politics and drama and gossip and all this nonsense comes in. So if you're too invested in just one platform, you weigh in the data in a span of seven years, you're not going to be good. So you should, my philosophy is like, you should be prepared for this from the get-go. Whoever is giving you the most money, assume that they're going to turn their backs on you any one of these days, then plan accordingly. It's called negative visualization, um, but um, it works. Uh, it helps you think very creatively. It helps you look. You're hedging your risk. Yeah.
helps you look around the corners. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, they just didn't think of it as much. And, you know, they were just someone who created a product, it started selling, they put more products, etc. It just kind of happened to be that they were using Gumroad for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's a change that no one really expected because there were no indications that this change would come. Right. But yeah, I think that it's a lesson learned. I still wish Gumroad the best. I, I just wish that they would charge something more reasonable. I, I'm happy to pay them. I want them to make more money. Because Gumroad just did a lot for me, right? So life math money was just a hobby. And one of those nostalgia. Now, yeah, just like these guys like kind of did a lot for me, right? By having yeah. Gumroad around, showing me what's possible from my hobby. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely, man. I recall when you released your first ever product. You remember that? Yeah. Even before our yeah. Twitter? Yeah, I remember that. The newsletters of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For five bucks. Yeah, dude. Man, time flies by. That was in 2018 or beginning of 2019. 2018. I remember you telling me to put a cover on the thing and I'm like, wait, who cares about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember I saw it. I was like, the content is good. It's just, I need some art. Artwork. It was just a white. Uh, it was a white page. <laughs> it said, "The news is of life, math, money, volume one." <laughs> yeah, man, I've known you for four years now. Yeah, man. Ah, we should meet up one of these days. I'll hit you up when I'm in your city. Yeah, uh, Tampa, and I'll for sure hit you up if I'm around the India region. It's been a long time. I haven't been to Bangladesh since 2019. I definitely want to come. I want to go to India. India has been one of those places that I've always wanted to see, you know? I would be happy to host you in my home. Have you ever heard of uh, the YouTube channel called Food Ranger? I have not. So he's like this YouTube channel that goes to different parts of the world and eats their food. And he'll go straight into like where the street foods are. And I've seen so many episodes of um, India where I'm like, man, the food looks so freaking good. I definitely want to try it out. There's another one called Grandpa's Kitchen. You should definitely check that out. Like you'll, I'll have a look. You'll basically cook for to feed an entire uh, Indian village. So, are you on YouTube right now? Can you just go on YouTube and type in Grandpa Kitchen? If you look at the thumbnails, what they're known for is creating an, a large quantity of food, like a, a huge amount. And it just captures your attention. Oh, I've like, seen his videos. I've seen his yeah. videos. Grandpa died, bro. Did you know that? Oh, he did? Yeah, man, he died. But I, th- I think his kids are now hosting it. Um, I do recall you mentioned that you had a s- to leave by a certain time. Do you want me to start reading out some questions? Oh, yeah, just give longer? me a minute. Just give me okay. a minute, and then we'll do the Q&A. Okay. I remember seeing a question specifically for you, so that's good. Because yeah. usually you get questions addressed to me. So I'm happy that people are answer- asking Arman some questions. Yeah. Okay. So let's just go in order. Um, hi, Harsh. I've been following your tweets for a while, and I've been really impressed by the quality and consistency of your content. I was wondering how you've been able to come up with such great tweets on a daily basis. Do you ever feel stuck or have a creative block? How do you maintain such consistent posting schedule over the years? Any insights or tips you could share would be great. I think it comes down to having life experience or experience with whatever you're talking about. For example, if you are going to talk about eating 
eating clean, okay, and you have no experience with it, you're going to run out of content in two weeks. But if you know what you're talking about, you've done the research, you've been doing it for years, then you have a lot of material, right? You know, you should eat this, not that. These combinations are good. This is how you eat to minimize calories while still feeling full. And you, when you speak from experience, people can tell. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you just read other people's stuff and you rephrase it, it's just not as good. You they run out of stuff. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people can tell that. People usually can't tell that unless it's very well done. Mm-hmm. So that I would say that's something you need to work on. If you're having issue making content, you just need more experience. You need, you need more life experience with the stuff you're talking about. For example, if any one of these days I start talking about tennis, I'm going to run out of content in two, three days. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I would echo something similar. Uh, it's, you you have a lot of life experiences. You just have to view it from the correct narrative. Uh, there's a budding field right now called data storytelling, where data by itself doesn't mean much. If I just give you a bunch of data of Airbnbs in Chicago, it by itself doesn't mean much. But if I assign you the narrative, hey, your boss is taking his wife to uh, Chicago and he needs a good Airbnb to stay in, now the data has a lot more useful effects. So your life mm. is the data and you want to view it from the correct narrative. That's the theme of your brand. So with my life, for example, I have a bunch of different experiences, but if I'm just like, okay, I just have the experiences. Now what? It's not much. But if I say, I want to look at my life through the lens of communication skills. Now I can perceive the data in a certain way that leads to a lot more content. So you just want to view it like that. For you to get that narrative, you want to really think like, what am I good at? What do I want to good, get good at? What is one of my fears? Like behind a lot of fears lies great uh, narratives for your content. So that's my advice. Anything else for that one, Harsh? I would say that is it. I don't think he has to worry too much about anything else. If you ha- If you have content block, you just need to get more experience. Yeah. Uh, the next one was from your pet pillow. Um, thank you guys for answering my question. No problem. Uh, the next one is from Jameson. Hi, Armani. Can you share the process of what it was like to get abs? You mentioned you had to reorganize your life for it, but can you break it down in more detail in the next episode? I'm looking to lose body fat too. Well, congratulations. If you're brown, uh, good luck <laughs> because it's a little bit tougher on our bodies to lose a lot of fat in order to get the abs. Uh, but that allows you to be more invested in it. So just to give you a cliff notes version, the first thing you need is a strong why. Like why do you want to lose uh, body fat and get abs in the first place? In the beginning, the why could be very superficial, where it's like, I just want to beat my uh, uh, friend in a friendly competition. Uh, but over time, like just keep cultivating the why, because getting abs is a lot like making money for business. You need to do a lot of things right in order for you to make even a dollar. And likewise, with abs, you need to do a whole bunch of stuff right in order to even see uh, some lines on your stomach. So that's number one, try to figure out a good why. Number two is uh, to under to get the correct nutrition. You already have abs. The only thing is that there's a layer of fat covering it, okay? Uh, Harsh has abs, I have abs. It's just, if you can't see it, there's a layer of fat. 
for you to remove that layer of fat, uh, whatever your maintenance calories is, subtract 300 to 500 from it. So if your maintenance calories is 2,500, uh, go to like 2,300, 2,000 and eat that. And for protein, I recommend 1.2 times 1.5 times your body weight. Now for the- In, in parts, kilos or retard units? Uh, pounds, the effective yeah. units. <laughs> uh, the, the next one is um, the workout program. Um, you could create your own workout program. Uh, but for me, man, I would highly recommend if you have the money to invest in P90X. When I did P90X, for those of you who don't know, it's a 90-day workout program. Uh, the, each workout was an hour long. But nowadays, it's only 25 minutes long. And I think seven of those minutes are you stretching. So the working out part is actually just like 18 to 19 minutes. So if you could afford P90X, get that because they give you this holistic experience that you become flexible, athletic, you become ripped, and much more. And um, the last thing I would say is take progress picks because um, the more that you take the progress picks, the more invested you're in. Uh, what lies in the mind dies in the mind. So a lot of the times you're going to be uh, completely oblivious to how much progress you're making. Uh, but if you have a picture, you'll be like, whoa, I'm actually like looking way better than I did uh, two months ago. And it just keeps you more motivated. So find a strong why, get the right nutrition, a workout, and take progress picks. Anything you want to add on to that, Harsh? I think I agree with everything you said. I will say that for most people, getting 1.5 grams of protein per retard unit of body weight is just extremely difficult. I think that most people would be fine with 1.8 grams per kilo. 1.6, 1.7, 1.8 should be fine. Yeah. Just know whenever you're cutting, you just want to up the protein a little bit more than bulking. From what I've heard and from my experience, just because you're in that calorie restriction mode. But yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to translate, but how much is that in pounds? If you don't mind me asking, what's the number you said? Um, I said 1.8 kilo. Yeah. It would be about one gram per pound, I think. I'm seeing 3.9. No, no, no. You're, you're converting it the other way around. It'll be less per pound. Okay. Okay. Uh, I see what you're saying. 0.8. Yeah, I think that should be fine for most people, at least. Um, you know, if you're if you're like if you're very jacked and already at a lower body fat, then yes, you need to have more protein. But I think when most people are losing weight, they are starting at high body fat percentages where they can go with lower protein. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my experience, at least, you don't lose as much muscle as people seem to think, in the sense that. It's it's a little overblown. I mean, I'm not saying you eat like really low protein, but if you eat, you know, 1.8, 1.7, even 1.6 grams of protein, as long as you're lifting weights, you're unlikely to lose significant amounts of muscle. Let's say that if you were eating 1.5 grams of protein per retard unit, mm -hmm. you might lose say one one to two percent of, you know, let's say that you lose like 99 percent fat and one percent muscle. And by eating 1.7 grams of protein, you lose 90% fat and 10% muscle. 
That's not yeah. so bad. And you gain the muscle back really fast when you start eating more again. So it's not too big of a deal in my experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jameson, don't overthink this. Just, I mean, my recommendation is just to get a little bit above your body weight. But other than that, don't like, I mean, I'm not a big guy of like counting calories and like pulling out that app and stuff like that. Because you want to see what you could be consistent on for a long, long time. Um, but that's once again why I recommend P90X. It's because they give you like the entire plan. I don't got time to read the latest scientific papers on the difference between an amino acid and glycemic acid, all of that shit. So I, I, I just <laughs> like it delivered for me. So um, yeah, P90X. And if you're hypothetically trying to get big, there's a reverse program called Body Beast, and it gets you big. Um, so that really depends upon you. Um, all right, Harsh. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen this question. It's by Tierlex. What are your thoughts on sports in general, like the FIFA World Cup that just happened? <laughs> I think Harsh might have a unique opinion about this. And the reason I think this individual wrote the second half of that is because Harsh had a very popular tweet in regards to FIFA, <laughs> which I will read. I'm not going to read all wait, of it, but I'll read some wait, of it. You should screenshot it. Screenshot it. I'll put it here. Yeah. One sec. Let me add it here. Okay. You want me to read the whole thing? Or you want to, of course. you want to read it? No, no, we want you to read it. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay. If you watched FIFA, it's a sign you're, a low, you're low in intelligence and ambition. Imagine watching someone else get rich while you sit around and get poorer. And then think that you're, you're somehow winning. Football is a game. Advertising is the product. You are the consumer. Consumer. Rich man with 100 million in income per year kickball through hoop. Much wow. So entertaining. Dorks, get some real hobbies. Staring at a TV and getting poorer isn't one. Cross a river, climb a mountain, be in nature. You need to get over your loser mindset that thinks that staring at a TV is fun and the epitome of humanity. You are not cool because you watch 22 people with $100 million kick a ball. You're a dork being milked by advertisers. Advertising a convinced you, someone who's probably broke, 150,000 a year or less that you need balance. Balance from what exactly? You're broke. You don't need balance. You need obsession with your mission. Leave the TV to the dorks who will be average for their entire life. This is what FIFA dorks exist for. McDonald's, Coca-Cola, all the consumer shit. The dorks make them rich. The irony is that these dorks are the ones who complain about these companies ruining the world. You work for them, consumer. Damn, bro, this is a long thread. Don't read the whole thing or we got the... Read the whole thing. Test. I'm alive every second of my life. I don't need to go to a pub and watch TV for that. Okay, I'll so interject. I'll... It's, it's, a, it's a really long thread. It's going to keep getting more and more and more longer. So here's Damn, what people bro. seem to think. Okay. I mean, I can read the whole thing. I don't mind. <laughs> it's up to you. It's up to you. Okay, keep reading. Actually, you know what? I, I, I'll summarize it for people. I, I, let's not bore them because, you know, it okay. takes the emotion out of the tweet. Okay. So people seem to think that watching FIFA is some kind of winning where they are chilling and they're winning and they're at the top of the world because they're watching FIFA. When in reality, there are a bunch of dorks who just paid money to watch a millionaire kick a ball away from another millionaire while they get poorer and fatter and some advertising company gets richer. That's really it. 
Like you're a dork. You're being milked like a cow by some advertisers, and you're too stupid to understand it. Now I get if you are like Elon Musk or some billionaire watching FIFA for fun. I get it. Okay, these guys are on a different level. They can take a break. But if you're some broke guy from you know a broke regular guy, <laughs> what are you taking a break for? Your entire life has been one long break. You don't deserve <laughs> a break. And the biggest criticism of my thread is that oh people people can people can deserve people eat balance they need a break. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't done anything yet. You're broke. You're not the one playing this game. When it, when some guy he's like he's saying we win. He has some guy's name behind his t-shirt. Like you know you didn't win. You didn't win anything. That guy won. You just watched him win. You're a spectator. You weren't. You weren't even in the game. You can't win this. You're, you're not even a player. So, people have this misunderstanding that when some team wins, they are participating in the victory. You are not participating in the victory. You are not even a player. And the guy you're wearing, you know, you're you're putting on a jersey. You have this guy's name on you. He doesn't give a shit about you. Imagine if your mother gets cancer and the hospital needs a hundred thousand dollars for treatment, but for some reason you can only raise nine hundred and nine. Sorry, ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. You just need one dollar more to save your mother's life, and you write to your favorite footballer, dear, you know, name a footballer. I don't know. Messy. Dear Kobe Bryant, send me one dollar, <laughs> and I, you know this is gonna save my mother's life. She has cancer. Kobe Bryant is not going to give you one dollar. He's not even going to read your message. This guy doesn't even care about you enough to give you one dollar to save your mother's life, and you're wearing his name behind your back, and you're shouting, "We won!" When this guy won, you're a cuck. That's it. Like that's what people <laughs> watch FIFA hard. Like they're cucks. Anyone that watched FIFA that wasn't in the Elon Musk, you consider them a cuck. Unless you are extremely successful yourself. And you were watching this game. You were pretty much a cock. Okay. Are you talking about the people that went to the stadiums and watched it, or let's say no people who went to the stadiums are rich. They're successful, right? That's why they're at the stadium. That's why they can pay for it. I mean, the guy watching at home from his TV, sipping beer, you know, <laughs> holding a flag saying "TV Sports," some stupid shit like that, <laughs> wearing the jersey. That guy is a cock. I mean, that's what he is. You know, I mean, how is this different from watching porn? These guys will say, okay, from porn? from porn, yeah. These guys will say, we need a break from our lives and everything is not about work. I mean, that's what people who are addicted to porn say, you know, like we need a break. Everything is not about productivity. Let me watch porn for five minutes. Like That's what you're doing when you're talking like that. You're a cuck. You're just watching some guy fuck. You're not <laughs> doing it yourself. <laughs> I'm like reading some of the comments where this was one of your more polarizing tweets this year. I don't think it was polarizing. I think it just attracted a bunch of idiots because no, from, the, from the comments, like, because I mean, it, there's mm-hmm. it has a lot of people who don't follow me. It got retweeted a lot, so that's why it has mm. a bunch of idiots replying to it. But I would not say it's a polarizing tweet. I think the average LMM reader is gonna be like, "Yeah, these guys are cucks." Okay, so I agree with certain parts, but I disagree with other parts. 
the part I do agree with is every now and then I go on YouTube and I see these people like they'll be wearing the jersey and they're over here like literally breaking their TV if their team lost. For me, that's a loser right there. So I believe you do a great job in summarizing that group. But I think a lot of other groups of people, Harsh, I don't necessarily view them as a cup for just watching the FIFA that happens every four years. Now, if you're watching every single game and you're just like, you're distracted from other parts of your life, that's one thing. But if you're just watching a game, which isn't that long, and you're just chilling with a bunch of other people, I don't see anything wrong with that. And once again, we've had this debate plenty of times before. So I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole again, <laughs> because we have two different fundamental beliefs in regards to that, uh, where I think entertainment in doses is fine. You think uh, eh, you got to find the right entertainment, if I'm not putting words in your mouth. So True. I don't know if you want to debate this or... No, I think we've had this debate before. I think we just disagree on this. I think it would be better if I understand more of your psychology in regards to it, because I'm pretty sure that's what the initial person wanted to hear about. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, Within your thread, there's a gentleman that says that UFC is the only sport that's, you know, viable to watch. And you agree. Uh, What, from your worldview, separates UFC and... uh, soccer watchers football watchers the difference is that fighting is something that increases your masculinity it kind of makes you want to fight it makes you more of a man as opposed to kicking a ball which is just a game what about those critics of yours harsh who say that um because i'm just reading the comments and seeing what people disliked about your tweet a lot what about those people that say you know it's good to watch competition at the highest level. So what? It's good to watch competition at the highest level when you have when you're getting something out of it, right? Mm-hmm. If I watch the best poker players, it makes me better at poker. It makes me if it gives you something, then yes, but these guys aren't getting anything from it. You're not getting anything. Literally, you're getting nothing by watching football. You, you, it's not inspiring. None of these people are going to go and wake up tomorrow. I should be fitter because I saw this Kobe guy kick the ball really fast. None of these people are going to be like that. But I think fighting is slightly different. It kind of, a lot of people who watch fighting, they, they get more interested in learning how to fight. So I, th- I, I, would, I would make a distinction between a game like football and something like fighting, which 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 I would consider is more like um, a mass a requirement for you to call yourself a man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the right word for it, but but you don't think fighting... people that watch soccer will organize a game with their friends, play some soccer as well. I, I know people that are listening to this right now. They're like, this guy is calling it soccer. It's football, mind you, man. I've been conditioned to call it soccer. Um, but you don't think that they're going to get a game going with their friends, get more fit. I doubt it. Maybe some of them will, but, um, you know, like it's like cricket, right? A lot of people play it, but the game is essentially just a bunch of, it's something for losers to watch. What's your thoughts on organized sports in general? There's a bunch of suckers and you're making money off of them. I have nothing against it, but that's what you're doing. Organized sports. Playing, like becoming a football player. 
I mean, not even becoming a professional, but like you, like you know how you say you go trekking slash hiking a lot. Oh, okay, okay. You mean like playing football with your friends? I think that's good. I think it's good for your health. I I have nothing against it. I think it's very good. I think you should do more sports. I don't call them sports, so I think football. I think these are just games, if you ask me. Hmm. I don't know, bro. I I think you need to play football. I have played them. Basketball. I used to play them a lot. You I did? play badminton. Yeah, it's it's fun. I get it. It's good for your health too. Playing it yourself is very good for you. You should do it. Right. It's it's gonna make you better physically, mentally, and in it's gonna teach you a skill based hierarchy and not just a popularity based hierarchy. That's a good mental change. A lot of people need to bring in their lives. Mm-hmm. But to watch it on TV is just it's just stupid loser behavior. You're not doing anything productive. You're just sipping beer, watching some guy make money while you get poorer and fatter. Yeah. And it, it's fine if you were rich. Okay, if, if Arman is a guy making a million dollars a month and he's doing it, I get it. It's a break from his life. He's consuming. But if some guy is like broke as hell and that guy's watching TV, come on, man, then you deserve being broke. If you're what broke you and you watch one second of TV, you're an idiot. That's too much. Even one second is too high. But what if they're not broke? What if they're doing financially okay for what they want in their life? They're not necessarily a millionaire. Let's say they're making like the average $7,000 a year. That's broke. Broke. And they shouldn't watch TV for entertainment. So what do you recommend they do for entertainment? Like what are the life math money approved methods? Anything that improves your knowledge or your physicality. For example, you could watch documentaries. There's a lot of good documentaries that are very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's this thing called Curiosity Stream. You've probably heard about it on YouTube. Get a mm-hmm. subscription to that. It's it's extremely entertaining. I also like audiobooks. They're very good. Um, there's this thing called Brilliant.org. You could use that to learn a lot of technical skills in a very easy way. Especially if you fly a lot, you know, you just like turn it on. It's it's a very simple way to learn a lot of interesting mental models. Then I would recommend doing something physical, you know, like going for a walk, playing a sport or playing some game like football or whatever. That's good for your health, learning to fight or just socializing with people, you know, go out with people and not, not, not to watch TV. Like don't go to a sports bar, like don't, not to ruin your health, <laughs> but say go on dates and try to, improve your social skills try to connect with more people and do more human things people were not you were not created by god to watch tv right Man, that I would be my to, recommendation i wanted to read like some of like the the critics comments and like get you to answer it live but there's so many comments bro like <laughs> <laughs> would you say this is your most viral tweet of the year i don't think so i don't think so i think there was one more i think there were many more do you mind if I read some of your critics' comments and you answer? Of them? course, go ahead. Okay, let me find some because I'm like scoping through. Literally, bro, if I put all of these comments on a Word document, I think it'll come out to like 80 pages. The funny thing is, I didn't even read them. You didn't read them? You didn't sit you... down and uh, read <laughs> the word? Okay, um, so let me, let me find a good one. Okay, so this is from, sh- should I say their name too? Yeah, okay. say their name. So this is from Andres. Wait, why don't you share your screen so we can see? Okay. 
sorry guys you guys are going to be on the episode uh so at least your guys' handles are going to be shown i mean they posted it publicly so follow these folks too guys okay can you see yeah i can see virgin trying to get rich wannabe advice real g's choose to enjoy whatever the hell they want to enjoy while earning the double that these guys make in one week uh, and these guys in this scenario is you uh don't watch sports folks don't eat out if you don't follow this twitter account not gonna make it read books i know what i know he's trying to be sarcastic but the last three lines of what he said are somewhat true in the sense that if you don't follow my twitter account you're fucked mm-hmm. and yeah you should read more books can you make the screen go up so i can see his tweet again Yeah so don't watch sports folks that's true you need out that's true if you don't follow my twitter account you are in gmi i agree with that uh while earning double the these guys earn in one week lolc i don't really know what he's trying to say with that real g's choose to enjoy whatever the hell they want to enjoy yeah i don't know what exactly a real g means version trying to means a guy that has control a guy that has money doesn't really care that much about like you can't do this you can't do that I yeah so this tweet is not intended towards people who are like Elon Musk right it's intended towards the average guy who's watching tv i mean if you're watching tv you're by definition not a quote unquote real g you're a guy who's watching tv but i don't think that's who his tweet is intended for i, I think his tweet is intended for the he's same pointing out exceptions he's pointing out, he's pointing out exceptions where you know like you know so there were some guys saying okay so you're saying that sundar pichai and elon musk are losers i'm like no dude they're not they're not the people who this tweet was about so uh virgin trying to get rich wanna be advice i'm not sure what virginity has to do with this tweet but okay bro <laughs> okay um this one seemed pretty good statement one very judgmental statement i agree two, not necessarily my money might be making me more money irrespective of whether i'm sitting eating or sleeping good point harsh um how is that a good three? point it's like, not even relevant okay uh statement 3 i'm just trying to play devil's advocate a uh, statement 3 i know i'm just watching a game and i'm not winning a prize money but i and my family are having a good time and that's another case to be made harsh where a lot of these dudes aren't just sitting down and watching with themselves they're watching with their family it's a fun little bonding experience or i don't know about india but in bangladesh like uh, it like the whole brazil argentina rivalry it's so freaking big and like there's family members shit talking memories being created um yeah you're teaching your kids to consume it's not a good thing i mean there are many bonding experiences you can have sitting and watching tv is not the best one you can pick Okay. Because what are you teaching your kids? You should watch and watch TV and consume and somehow that's a positive activity. What, no, that's a dumb if, thing to do. But what makes you think that they're teaching their kids then? What if that's just one part of Because their hour? Kids learn. kids learn from what you do, right? If okay. you watch TV all the time, they're going to think watching TV is okay even though it's the dumbest thing you can do with your time. Mhm. So kids okay. learn from what they see. and this guy doesn't seem to get it i think he's a typical consumer who just doesn't seem to understand facts and he thinks that facts are judgment but do you think this is a fact or an opinion i think this is a fact i think that people who watch tv are losers it's a fact i can so mathematically prove this fact to you if you like um you want to go for it or you want to read some more 
I like this stuff. Let's do more. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much do you make by not watching FIFA or TV in general? More than your entire family. <laughs> so after all your success in life, you never spend it on something, I guess. I spend it on things that are good for me, not on being a cuck. Okay. Um, I mean, what's the point? Like, after you be successful, do you become a cuck? Like, what's the point? Like, what is this guy trying to say? Like, you know, the entire point of being successful is so that you can be a cuck. Is that what this guy's trying to say? <laughs> I'm like, what if, if you're not even a cuck, what do you become successful for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what if, um, let's say you're making a lot of money, you're not spending your money on watching a TV or like, you know, actually going to the game and watching it. What if you buy a lot of food with it, like from different restaurants? It's fine. Would, you, can, it's, you have money, then you can enjoy however you want. Okay, but what if someone has money and they're watching the game? For you, that's perfect, but not if, not if yeah, they're if, immensely wealthy. If they're not immensely wealthy, they shouldn't watch TV, let alone exactly. FIFA. Okay. If you are, if you are, if you have money, if you're rich and you're watching TV or FIFA, whatever, then it's fine. You already have money. You're successful. You're not looking for more. But if you're right. broke and you're watching TV <laughs> and you, you know you wish you were richer and you're still wasting your time on this bullshit, you're a cuck. Okay. Still a few more. Someone sounds really bitter about people enjoying a game of football. Let me ask you this, Harsh, where every now and then when we talk, you'll be like, oh, I don't really care enough about this topic to have strong opinions in regards to it. You have pretty strong opinions in regards to uh, TV. How much would you say it's your distaste towards TV? And how much would you say it's your distaste towards consumerism in general? I would say it's a distaste towards consumerism in general. And I think that TV is something that represents consumer culture. Mm hmm Okay, like that's so, like staple for consumers. Yeah, it's like, culture. you know, if, if I say communism, what comes to your head? Uh, you know, a hammer and sickle, right? If it's yeah. a consumerism, what comes to your head? A TV. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so this is a positive comment. A hot take, but I love the idea. Most are consumers, myself included. I'm working on creating content so I can break away from that lifestyle and live a life I truly enjoy. People should strive to create because when we die, we leave nothing but our spirit and ideas upon others. People should strive to create. Yeah, I agree with this guy. I think he's smart. Okay, let's do one more and then we'll wrap it up. Labeling consumer as negative is a blanket statement against capitalism, misconstrued at best. Sport is intellectual. Sugar material on Twitter, a little less intellectual, maybe. So I don't think that labeling something as labeling consumer as negative is against capitalism. I think that capitalism is about producing the best products you can so that you can make the most amount of money. And if you're someone who's just consuming and not producing enough, that's something that's extremely negative on you. You're not going to get rich in a capitalistic system. In fact, you're going to get poorer and poorer and eventually have to depend on the government or other people to survive. So you have to be a net producer to survive in a capitalistic system. So being a net consumer is a negative thing. In fact, it means that you are literally getting poorer every second you're alive. Misconstrued at best. Uh, so this guy has not thought this through. 
uh, sports is intellectual. Okay, I don't really know where he's getting that from. I think that's bullshit. Sports is not intellectual. At least. Playing sports is intellectual. Watching sports is not. Watching sports is where you turn off your brain, you eat a bunch of popcorn, and you drink a bunch of beer, and you just keep watching it. Trigger material on Twitter, a little less intellectual, maybe. Now, that's just ad hominem, right? Mm. Well, what if he actually thinks that you know this tweet was intended for polarization? Well, he follows me. I don't follow him. So just unfollow him. <laughs> See, that's yeah. the thing with these people who are saying you're extremely better. I'm like, you, you're the one who followed me. I didn't come and ask you to follow me. Right. Um, well, let's just do one last one. And then we'll end this topic. Is it just FIFA or some would hold true for any sport like tennis, cricket, track and field events or movies, serials, web series? Um, so Pretty much everything. Everything but documentaries from your eyes, right? Yeah, pretty much every single one of these things. At least the ones you listed, all of that is bullshit. You should not watch them. Olympics, no for that too? Yeah, pretty much no for that too. Unless you're getting something out of it. Yeah. I mean, if you're an Olympic athlete and you're watching it to learn what other people are doing, I get that. But if you're just some guy watching at home, with zero interest in actually doing any of these sports and you're just doing it for entertainment. Yeah, dude, need to do something else or you're going to be poor forever. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me. I, I knew that we were going to be talking about this when I uh, saw your tweet. I was like, okay, this is going to be good for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> any other final thoughts in regards to this, bro? I think we just covered that in a lot of detail for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's good to talk about this as well because um, it's a it's an interesting idea, you know. Like whether I agree with it or disagree with it, like ideas that can every now and then make me like, hmm, let me check that out again. I think it is worth speaking about. I agree with you. I, I think that's right. It's a nice episode to end the year with man 2022 just went by so fast like poof, yeah, done. just done so quick man and these episodes too um were we doing two episodes a month this year or was this a trend we started last year i think we started it last year and uh, yeah this year we stuck by it so i think we produced 24 episodes this year not bad man awesome man it's like um how, how 50 often hours of st- talking 50 hours yeah, how- how often do you see someone start something and even do it for two weeks, let alone a full year? Yeah, we should be proud of ourselves. Pat yeah, yourself man. on the back, man. You too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you like put your put it right next to the microphone. Like... <laughs> Let me pat the microphone so you can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Now this year uh, flew by real quick. Um, and yeah, man. Any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up? Let's make 2023 even better. Absolutely, man. Let's make it. All right, brothers. We're going to see you next year. See ya. Bye-bye. All right. Take care, guys. Be sure to hit that like and subscribe as well. Yeah, the YouTube thing. <laughs>